Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. We're here today on our uh, sixth episode of Tuna Town Talks, and I got two really awesome guests today. This is uh, Brandon Carter and John Carter, and I'll just go ahead and say it. Anybody can debate it if they want to, but I've said it before. These guys are undebatably the best trout fishermen in Venice, Louisiana, and I couldn't be happier to have you guys on Tuna Town Talks. So, Thanks for having us, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, if you guys could go ahead and start off by uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself um, and when you started fishing down here in Venice or fishing in general, and uh, we'll just start taking it from there. Well, I'm the oldest, so I guess I'll I guess first. we can start. Go ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> how far apart are you guys? You can start uh, off I'm, like I'm that. 12 years older. 12 years older. Yeah, okay. 12 years so, yeah. Yep. So he's definitely seen a lot. We're actually <laughs> half brothers. brothers. Half brothers. Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Half brothers. We have, uh, we have the same dad. Um, that's kind of who got us started into it yeah well we, we've been we've been fishing since we were old enough to walk and uh we um we started off uh you know my dad didn't have he, he's kind of like me he's not, I, I wouldn't say antisocial, <laughs> but we don't surround ourselves with a whole lot of people mm-hmm. and so he didn't really have a whole lot of fishing buddies plus he was pretty hardcore and he didn't want to have like go fishing and somebody say, Oh man, I got to get back home or anything right. like that. So, so we were his fishing buddies. So we started, as soon as we were able to walk, we started fishing with him and, uh, he would take us, uh, we, we fished all over the place, but, uh, we fished, we grew up fishing the beaches over at Grand Isle and yeah. Fushan and Elmer's Isle and, and all that and everything. And then, uh, and like in the winter time, fall and winter time, we would, uh, we would fish Yellow Cotton Bay and, um, uh, Point Lahash and Delacroix and all that and everything. And then, uh, Eventually, we started uh, fishing down the river, and uh, that was kind of as soon as we, my, like the first day I ever went down the river, it was like I, that's that was it for me. I, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know that I ever hardly fished anywhere else after that. And uh, so, I, but I've been in business for uh, for twenty one years. It's my twenty first year. Wow, it's a long time. And, yeah, <laughs> and I, it's uh, it feels like twenty one years. <laughs> <laughs> What I've, been about you? You, I've been with you the last six now, I believe. I think six yeah. years. So yeah. six for you, John? Yeah, six for me, 21 for him. We definitely cut our teeth, though, uh, wade fishing in Grand Isle, for sure. Right, right, yeah, we, right. We grew up combing those beaches. Fishing, wade fishing? Wade mainly? fishing, yes. We so fished. y'all didn't have a boat, or you just... No, we didn't have a boat for a long well, we time. we had boats and stuff, but yeah. not, like, big boats or anything. Right. And, um... Really, yeah. until you got that base stealth is when yeah. we really started fishing out of the boat. I see where this comes from, because, uh... You know, like, you know, for me, I grew up and, you know, my dad had a 24 Pro and we're always trying to get the blue water, you know, so it's right. like not having a boat, you know, that kind of gives you more of an itch in a way to get out there yeah, and, and <laughs> you gotta, you know, and that, that's honestly, you say that and that's, that's something that, um, it, even, even with hunting, uh, you know, I'm mm-hmm. obviously a big hunter too, but hunting and fishing too. It's like, I think about that with my, I have, I have young kids now and, um, I think about that, about how. Uh, a lot of my uh, uh, drive that I have now, and a lot, a lot of you know that, that that thirst that I have is because it was such slim pickings growing up. <laughs> it was tough, and, and, and like, yeah. and it's like you don't want to give them too much. At, you know, I feel like I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I had too much at first. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. You got to have that that little bit of an itch for right. a long period of time. It can't just be there for a little right. bit over right. a long period of time, and it forces you to learn more to be better. Right, it builds it progress. builds that hunger, right. and it and, it, and it hones your skills because you have so many less opportunities. 
opportunities that you have to maximize every single one of them. Right. And I, that's one of the reasons I say that like charter fishermen, I'm not saying they can't, but it's a lot harder to be a charter fisherman and be a successful tournament fisherman because that itch gets ruined because it's not that you don't love your job and you don't love being on the water. It's that, you know, you having that extra little bit of drive to go, you know, whenever those people that are, you know, that, that that's that their getaway for whenever, you know, they have a nine to five job and they, you know, they, every day after work, they're thinking about where they could go catch that, that bigger fish or that, you know, that perfect fish that they need for that tournament is a little bit different. So Absolutely. it's definitely, I, I see, I see how that itch comes <laughs> yeah. to full play whenever you guys grow up. Wade fishing, you know, not having a boat, it right. makes sense completely. Right, and then you know the other thing too is that I I grew up, uh, we we grew up or I grew up fishing, you know, cutting my teeth, uh, literally during the 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 eighty nine freezes whenever we lost ninety percent of our pe- our, our yeah. speckled trout and redfish populations, and wow. so it, you know, and and if you look at the numbers, I mean, within like three or four years, you know, we we were back up good, but those three or four years seemed like a long three or four years to me. Cause so we, what 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 actually happened? Because like I wasn't even born then. Well, so it was I, I think was it was born in ninety. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was well nineteen eighty nine. We had a uh, we had a, a tremendous freeze, and it was like seventy degrees the the couple of days before the front came through. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we had a freeze come through, and uh, I mean, it was down into like the single digits in, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of Louisiana. And uh, uh, we had the bays were froze over in places, and, and it was a massive fish kill because, you know, because the water was warm at first, you know, uh, and it, it drew all the fish up onto the flats. Right. So they weren't in the right spot. Right. They and then, ready for and then, like, literally overnight, bam, it just hits. And, and we have, you know, we have weather, I mean, down here it was in the teens. And uh, and it stayed like that for like days, and uh, and it and it wound up uh, fro- freezing over a lot of the bays and ponds and stuff like that, and we just had massive fish kills, and it made the fishing really tough in the you know early real early nineties, uh, and you know and, and it rebounded pretty quick, but um, that was like during the the height of my like my when it like really started to develop for me, you know and. And and so those those few years of that fishing was like tough, and it, it like made me appreciate it, you know every once it got better. Right, absolutely. right, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So, um, you know, you you got into charter fishing. Was there, you know, tell me a little bit about that? Where, whenever you got into it, was there anybody that kind of helped you get into it, or did you just come down here and start fishing? I mean, I know marketing, everything's a lot different. I mean, people can come down here and post a lot of Facebook pictures and start booking trips. Right. You know, that's not, sure. it's yeah. not, it's not like that anymore. You know, so. you know, it's it's easier now and it's harder now because uh, right. because of competition. Right, it's right. it's easier because you do have many more platforms to market yourself. Um, but it's harder because there's, there's a lot, there is a lot more competition. Um, but like when I, you know, when, when I started, um, I mean, I always, I, when I was in like second grade, uh, in my, 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 uh, second grade teacher asked me what I wanted to be, or, you know, we were doing like a, a whatever you call it in school whenever they, you, what you want your career to be? Yeah. Like a career thing, like a career question day or something. It wasn't like a, like, wasn't like a holy event or anything, but it was like just a, a little, a little segment of lesson or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to be a professional fisherman. And, right. and she was an old black lady and she was like, boy, you can't be no professional fisherman making no living like that. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, what about Bill Dance and Roland Martin and those guys? And she was like, I don't even know who them people are. It's like, well, that's, that's, that's how I'm going to make my living. That's where our idols growing up. Yeah. I mean, that's, we, that's, we grew up watching them on TV. Yeah. And it's, wow. 
it, it, um, you know, we 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 grew up watching that stuff, just dreaming about you know catching anything, anything that would that would uh, that would that would bite us, and uh, so. Uh, that that's honestly kind of the same. You know, whenever I came down here to Venice, I used to think about you know reading magazines and stuff, looking at all these fancy elephants, all these boats and everything. And I was, I mean, we would drool over and think about ways to make money to get that boat or whatever. And you come down here to Venice and there's a bunch of, you know, guys not much older than me running these boats. And I'm like, right. <laughs> this is freaking crazy. You know? yeah. So it's like a, you know, Venice is a weird place, man. There's not much else other than fancy boats. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So let me look at some of these questions. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, your favorite customer? <laughs> well, the ones that are easy to please and have lots of money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, you know, the, I, I guess our favorite customers are, are just the ones that are the ones that are appreciative. Yeah, that, appreciation is my that, biggest that, thing. Uh, you know, whether you catch a lot or you catch a little, they appreciate it, and they appreciate yeah. the work that you do for them. They, they appreciate the, ones that the understand the effort. Yeah, right. they, they they appreciate the effort. They appreciate the preparation. Uh, you know, and and they they appreciate every everything that, that we're given that day. I mean, that, that those there's the, those a lot are the, that we have to prepare for, for. You know, what we do speckled trout fishing, we we get bait the night before. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're at midnight getting bait, and the customers right, right. don't realize that how much trouble we went through to make sure they had a successful day of fishing. Right, right, and, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of people really yeah. don't understand what we go through to 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 make sure that they. Uh, you know, we can leave the dock first. We've already got three hundred live shrimp in the live well ready to go. You know, it's, right, right, right. That's one thing I always tell my customer. Like you know, you 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 talk to them here and there, and I always say, look, like look, man, we're on the same team. Like I'm trying to catch these more than <laughs> you are. Right. I can promise you. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's the same thing that kevin said whenever i asked him that question is he said you know somebody that appreciates it doesn't matter what we're catching just appreciate that you know we're out here we're we're healthy and we're having fun and it's you know we're catching fish well you know and and go this goes right along with with what we were just talking about um with how uh you know the way i grew up fishing and, and and not really having a whole lot uh to to go on you know and and uh and I'll, I still, you know, and I, I just, I think back and I think like, you know, when, whenever, before I was, had caught all the thousands or hundred, you know, whatever fish I've caught in my lifetime now, you know, how did I feel whenever I was, I could have been that customer, you know, I never went on a charter growing up or anything like that. I always did everything on my own, but I always think back about how, like, you know, how bad I wanted to catch those fish back then because I didn't have that experience, you know, and how much, how much I wanted to experience that pull and how much I wanted to experience that big trout and or redfish or whatever, you know, and, and I, and I, I, you know, people, some people get it, but some people just don't, you know, like we'll, we'll get upset about things in the boat and it's like, we're aggravated about, and it's not, we're not mad at them, you know, we're not being rude to them. And, and I, and I, sometimes I just straight up tell people, look guys, I'm not mad at y'all. I'm mad at the fishing because I want y'all to have a good trip, right, right, you know, right. and, and, and we get aggravated with stuff and, and we want, you know, there's a reason that we want them to do things a certain way. And it's not because we're just trying to be ornery or anal or whatever. It's because that's what works. And we want them to have a good trip. And, you know, I, I want them, I want, I, I feel like it's, it's like a, it's like a, 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 like a personal failure if I if they get off of my boat right. and, and they and they and their trip was just yeah, screw the money and everything else right yeah, it's it's a <laughs> this is what you do pride is, on the line yeah, we don't we don't just there. we don't right we don't I, exactly we're very very prideful about about our reputation and, and about the, the the fact of you know that we provide mm-hmm. that experience 
And, uh, you know, and some days it don't matter who you are or what you're doing or whatever. It's just, it's a grind. Right. And, you had know, a lot of days like that this year. Yeah, this I mean, year. today was one of those days for me. I mean, it was like bites were few and far between. I mean, we made it happen, but it was a grind. Right, right. And, right. Uh, you know, and that's the main things, man. We just want somebody that recognizes that and appreciates it and understands that we're, at, you know, we're, we're there for them. We're there because we want them to, the reason we're out there, you know, beating our heads against the wall and the reason that we're mad and angry and, and you know, complaining and stuff is it's, it's because we want them to have that experience. We want them to feel that pull. And, you know, we want them to walk away thinking, you know, man, I, I waited all year for this trip and those those guys made it happen. I mean, I right, caught that right, big, right. you know, I caught that big red or big trout or, or triple tail, or you know, whatever, tuna, yeah. whatever, you know. I mean, leave was something to talk about, right? Right, yeah, right. and we to, we take it extremely personally, yeah. and, and and I think that's one of the things that that uh, that separates us from a lot of people is uh, that we don't just go through the motions. We we yeah. wake up every single morning and that's we right. want them. Yeah, that's that's I think I think I tell people all that people say, well, you know what, why you know you're you're probably the best fisherman around, and no, I I don't think that I'm technically the best, like as far as from a technical aspect, my 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 fishing specifically, you know, is the best, but I feel that I'm the best at wanting them, right? That, I, that it's, nobody it's the effort we put right, nobody right, effort, nobody yeah. nobody steps onto that dock that has that that has the 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 want that we have, you know that right, that. Right. That we just we wake up every morning. It's never turned off. Every single morning we right, want them, and right, I think right. that's the one thing that that drive right there is the one thing that separates us from from everybody else. Yeah, I can definitely see it. You guys definitely take. I see y'all clean y'all's fish and that kind of stuff. You definitely you know make make a a point to go the extra right. mile for your customer. And just to touch on that a little bit, you know, um, one of the coolest things that I that I've learned to love about fishing down here in, in Venice is, you know, I've, I've traveled quite a bit. I've traveled around the world just to kind of, and I think it does a lot for me as a guide because it makes me think about like, all right, you know, if I, if I'm in, if I'm in Australia and, you know, I think everything's cool because everything's right. different. You've never seen it right. before. So like for a lot of people that come down here, that's the case for them. They're, they're here to see the Mississippi river right. just as much as they're there to catch a redfish or a speckled trout. Most of the, I mean, sometimes they're literally, that's literally that's true. Well, that's that's true. one of the things that we laugh about so much. Sometimes like we'll hit the river out there and like most people are like, Oh man, is this the river proper? And like, yeah. yeah, man, this is the Mississippi river. Yeah. We get some people will hit the river and they'll go, Hey cap, is this like Pontchartrain? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where they are. Yeah, like, yeah, what? So it's, it's different for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they just, yeah. But like you're saying, they just they, they don't. Yeah, they, it's new to them, and it's and it's a wow factor. Something you know, what's what's every day to us is is. Yeah, I love it whenever they say, "Man, the boat ride was worth it." Yeah, they exactly. Right yeah, it, yeah. You, you know? just they appreciate every part of it, and that's one of the cool things. You know, I've kind of learned to you know talk to my customers about most most of our customers in Venice fish at home. That that's that's one of the unique things about right. fishing here. I've chartered fished in other places, and that's not always the case there. That's mm-hmm. you know, fishing's kind of an afterthought there. Yeah. But whenever you get somebody on your boat from Florida and they're used to fishing all day for, you know, a couple redfish bites, you know, and you can go out there and you can put them on them every cast. To me, there's nothing cooler than that. You know what I mean? Whenever you can provide that level of, you know, because I know what that's like. I grew up on the coast of Mississippi fishing a little bit less consistent than what it is here. And whenever you can provide that, you know, epic fishing trip that they're, they're they probably won't ever forget. Right. That's what, you know, that's why people come here to Venice. That's that's what it's about, you know, and and so that's why, you know, redfish is a as an awesome target for most people down red, here. Redfish pays the bills for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No doubt about yeah. that. So, uh, you know, that since you, you said that, I, I want to ask this. So, would you say that, you, you know, you guys target speckled trout? Like, that's what you guys have built y'all's business on. That's what you're known for. Uh, would you say that you think you get more local clientele because of that? Because, you know, what I've found over the years of doing it is that you got, like, people from Louisiana, Mississippi, maybe some in Texas that really care about trout. And then, like, it seems like everybody mm-hmm. else wants right. redfish. And, it did, like, do you guys find the same thing, or do you guys kind of get trout fishermen from all over the country as well? I get well? a lot of people from Tennessee that know what trout yeah. are. Actually. Yeah, you know what? That is true. Yeah, for whatever reason, there's a, there's a population in Tennessee that knows about speckled trout, and they like it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm going to tell you, I think, what, too, is a lot of people in Tennessee, most people in Tennessee have been here before. And if you fished here in the old days, that was customary. Everybody went and trout fished and red fished. And, you know, so you it did, was the you same, did, you both and both. Right, yeah. you did this, you did everybody. It was so easier. Back there was no <laughs> such thing. Right, there was back then. It you was, were inshore fishermen. Right, you were an product. inshore fisherman. You were not a redfish guide or a speckled trout guide or anything like that. So when you get people that experienced that, no matter where they were from, okay. you know, when, you, when they've experienced that from years ago, then they show back up and that's what they expect. Yeah. And, uh, but, but in general, the new people, you know, when you get people that's never been here before, Redfish, absolutely. Yeah, you know, exactly. They see the TV shows. They see the, the TV shows, and, and you know, I mean, look, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you go out and catch 25, 20 inch trout, that's a great day. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if, you know, to the do 20 inches when you yeah, when you actually sure. right when you actually physically do it, the feeling that you get is un- is unbelievable. Right. But if you put that on TV, it's like, hmm, that's okay. Right. It's not. Whereas if you go out and bull. catch a forty-five inch bull red, and you know catch three or four of those on TV, then you're like, oh my god, you know. So that's what people see, and that's what they, you know, the new people. That's what they show up thinking about. Right. 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 One hundred percent. And there's something too to like, you know, something pulling drag, you know, right? A, a struggle there, fish, I mean, right. miss a big one, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> So yeah, definitely. That's but that's cool. I I think that uh, it actually helps us in business though because it's and it's not so much. And we don't. I don't want people that are trout snobs that are just uh, if I ain't catching trout, I ain't going fishing. We don't. Yeah, want you don't want that because it doesn't that. always work right. out. And that's yeah. what that's the way a lot of Louisiana people are. And yeah. uh, and I still do have some of those old school people like that that have been fishing with me since day one. Um, but I've also over the years have been able to kind of pull them over a little bit to the middle to where they understand that you some put those days guys on an epic redfish bite there they're yeah, giggling they understand yeah, right. they get it they get you it know. right but right. um that that's one of the things that, that the way we've built our business is that you know you're 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 and i don't want to give away too many of my secrets like my my, my thought process of how what i've done <laughs> over the years but i mean it's this it's basic it's it's just basic right business i mean it's like if somebody can come down here and pay X amount of money and only go catch 15 redfish, or they can pay that same amount of money and we take them out and go catch possibly 75 or 100 trout, you know, just, I mean, if it's a good day. Right. You right. know, maybe sometimes it may be 20 trout, maybe sometimes it's zero, but at least give them that chance of doing that and then turn around and go catch let them the catch reds. and go catch reds. And then nine times out of 10, when we're trout fishing, we're catching bull reds. Yeah, you're going to catch some, yeah. You know, and then it's for the same amount of money, they got to do the whole experience all in one time. It's like, yeah, I think those are the guys I'm going to go with. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing I want to say, too, about And that. I've said, you know, that just to touch on that as well, like, I, I feel like I do the same thing in another sense. Because, like, like, you guys, y'all, obviously, y'all are all into, you know, the trout and the thing or whatever. But, like, 
If it's not happening for whatever reason inshore, I'm sneaking off to the near shore rigs. Doesn't yeah. matter what time of year it is, that's where I'm going because I can always do something right. There. There's something living there. And 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 also I think that that's somewhat of an untapped market down here. There's not somebody that really kind of you know, specializes in that and mm-hmm. you know that I I really enjoy it. That's what I grew up doing. I didn't my dad was not an inshore fisherman. He he liked to dive. He liked going to the rigs. And I I love it. I mean, it's fun. You definitely so have those really triple cool. tail on my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You've been catching some big fun. ones. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a good time. It's been it's been a good year for him, you know. And that, you know, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because a lot of people, you know, they talk about the the triple tail and you know, oh, the people are overfishing them. There's been quite a quite a few people targeting them this year. There's been a lot actually. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. I mean, I'm definitely not the only, there's the Venice is full of great fishermen. There's there's no doubt Absolutely. about it. I, I don't think I'm the best at it whatsoever, but um, you know, as far as can we overfish the triple tail population? I started tagging them just to try and get a grips on some type of information from mm-hmm. these things. But in my opinion, you know, you know, I think they're somewhat similar to like a cobia or a mahi and they, you know, they those fish are pelagic species. They're found in every single ocean, just like a triple tail is. So, um, you know, and I've seen thousands upon thousands of little bitty tiny ones on on rip lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the amount that are out there, I it's hard to really say. And I kind of feel like, you know, some years, just like you have good mahi years, you get, you know, you have loads of mahi at the dock. Right. And then some years you don't. And like, cobia weren't so hot this year i mean i've seen years where the you know the docks just covered with cobia right. all the time so we we'll just go through cycles and exactly fisheries. our fishery does i mean a few years ago y'all knew how the tuna fishing was it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty 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 terrible yeah, so had a pretty good year this year on tuna it seems like yeah and, and you know whenever people talk about killing two you know is this too many triple tail or is this too many trout or is this too many you know redfish or whatever whatever it is you're targeting I think it just comes back to what's an, you know make a cutoff limit for yourself. Right, just take you, what you need. Is, take what you is, is need and release the rest. You know, right. like uh, Chris Bush on this. That's right. Says that's that. his saying. Yeah, that's, that's right. his saying is you know take what you need and release the rest. And I I have fun tagging fish. I have fun releasing fish. I have no need to you know take everything out there as long as my people are having fun. You know, I don't fish for my ego. Whenever I come back to the dock, you know, right. You know, I don't really. I don't really care if somebody kept more fish than me that day. Yeah. <laughs> if well, they caught more than me, that's a different story. I kind of get a little bummed. Yeah. I, well, you know, that's the thing. Like, so a lot of, I mean, you've seen our dock shots and stuff, and sometimes it's pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I mean, it is. It's, but it's a lot of fish. It, it, but yeah. it's not like we're. And people act like, oh, you guys are so wrong for doing. They, they, but they act like we're twisting people's arms to keep those fish. And no, no, and no, I don't no. care what uh, what we catch. If we could be out there catching nine pound trout every cast, if the customer says we don't want to keep them. I'm not keeping them. Right, right. We're going right. to throw them we're back. Throw them I mean, back. I'm, right. I'm not going to keep fish to clean that, right. that they it, don't want. Yeah, right, we don't exactly. force people to, We don't force people to keep anything. I'm the same. I mean, it's like, it's like I think everybody needs to just do their own individual thing within the confines of the law. If you don't yeah. feel like you need to keep them, throw them and back see, and don't worry about and it. And that's what I think we can do as, you know, a fishing community down here in Venice, um, more so than trying to change these laws like they're trying to do. They're trying to knock our speckled trout limit down to 15 trout up. 14 you know, inches 15, 14 yeah. yeah exactly you know that you know you can change the laws all you want you know you're not you're not i don't feel like you're fixing anything that's a personally, to the real right. issue right yeah and you know I, I, me personally we obviously have a different fishery than everywhere else but at the same time people need to do what they can 
to give back. Like if, you know, I, me personally, I've kind of taken a stance on talking out my customers out of keeping my redfish. Legally, right. they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to take them home. You're allowed to keep them, but you know, you know how those laws. You know how right. that works. Yeah. You know, they they end up keeping them. It's possession limit. Is what it's possession allowed. limit, right? Exactly. So you know, I, and I'm not here to say that like people should stop. You know, giving their customers the redfish or whatever. I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying, let's instead of trying to change laws, let's change the mentality a little bit. You know, instead of yeah, self regulate a little bit, and that's kind of you know. I don't disagree it, with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, the problem so, is getting everybody on the same page. Right. It is. It's very <laughs> difficult to. It's very difficult to, for sure. But uh, what do you guys think about the the you know the speckled trout limit's been twenty five tr- trout a person at twelve inches for God as long as I can remember, and now they're trying to change it to fourteen and uh, fifteen uh, fish per person. What do you guys think? Uh, sh- straight up, make it get right to the point. Recreational angling has near zero impact on speckled trout populations in this state. Um, places like Texas, places like Florida. Yeah. I mean, you got the numbers of people that are fishing those places is astronomical. Texas has more licensed fishermen than we have entire population in Louisiana. You got to think about that for a minute. That's, That's I, 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 uh, Gerald Horst told me that he was, who was, uh, he was the the Louisiana trout studies uh, leader for years and years and years. And now he's an independent writer and I do some, some work with him on stuff. But he told me that one day, he said, the, the thing you have to realize is that, the states of Texas and Florida have more licensed anglers than we have total population. And, and our estuaries are a hundred times more capable than their estuaries. So it's like you, you got all these, oh man, look, you know, over here in Florida, we only keep two. Or, and over here in Texas, we only keep five. And they should. It's apple, exactly. <laughs> and it's, they it's, should. It's, it's apples estuary. and oranges. Yeah. Them, them, catching, them keeping five is like us keeping 50. Right. You know? Um, and and it's it's like it's it bark you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. It's it's putting a band. It's just it's a, it's a social band aid. It's 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 a, it's social. It's a feel good. It's move. a feel good move where oh man you know it's we're gonna lower limits. It feels good if we keep if we keep less fish we have less fish. But it doesn't work that way. No, in it doesn't, trout. man. Because they have one hard freeze. Just like you were talking yeah. about a mass killing. That doesn't just happen with a freeze. Well, I mean, there's lots of different right. ways that that happens, right? right? Well, Salinity the thing about it is you else. bring up bring up the freeze again. Okay, so the freeze was in 1989, and I and I, I I'm not gonna quote this information exactly because I don't remember the exact numbers, but I saw a chart on it. And the freeze was in 1989. Mm-hmm. And I think it was by 1992, the numbers were um, the, the, the numbers were equal to pre-freeze. And by 1994, we were like 40% higher than pre-freeze. Wow! So that's how fast the and when and the speckled trout numbers were like it was it it went it went from I don't know what the exact but look, for instance it was like say sixty million pounds or something like that and it dropped down to like three million like wow. it was tremendous wow. the the way it dropped off and then within four to five years we we exceeded what we had pre freeze and the kicker on that is that the gill nets were still in the water at that time we still had commercial gill netters. Wow. So with commercial gill netters hammering on the trout, we still recovered that fast. That goes to show you how prolific the speckled trout species is in, 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 in our waters. Now, what I'm getting at is that our numbers are a little bit on the lower side right now. They're not as low as what people think that they are because a lot of people just don't understand where these fish have moved to. Right. But, that's the whole, that, but that's a lot of key with it too, is why did those fish move? Why are they in different places? Well, number one is because 
90% of our coastline's gone where they were at 10 years ago, you know? Um, and, and so that, so that's a lot of, they've had to move and change and do a lot of different things that, that people haven't adapted to. Uh, but then the other thing too, is that, as that, is that coastline, uh, an eroding coastline, a deteriorating coastline is actually healthy for the, for the fish because it's releasing nutrients into the system. But as you, as you start getting to the point to where you don't have anything to lose anymore, then you don't have anything that you're releasing into the system yeah. to feed everything. So we, we've got a severe coastal problem yeah. that is, is, is what we've got. It's, and, it, and it's making, you know, it's making the fishing a lot tougher because, yeah, we do have a few fewer, you know, it's, it's a few fewer fish. Uh, and then, but the main thing on top of that is that it makes them uh, makes them very unattainable at times, right, right? right? Because they're you know because we're we're way more prone to wind and, and weather and stuff like that. Because I can remember you know fifteen years ago, ten years ago, uh, basically up until Katrina. You know, after Katrina is whenever things started to started to deteriorate. But up until then, it blew. I, I, I like honest thirty knot winds. I can remember having hundred trout days. Wow, and it was because we had places to go, like Redfish Bay. Yeah, like Redfish Bay. You had a northeast wind. At, at, I, I vividly remember one day we had a north, I mean, a, a, a northeast wind at thirty knots, and we went right outside of what we call the Snibby Ponds in the in the in the northeast corner of, of Redfish Bay. We stopped right there. We caught twenty reds right off the bat, and then we turned and started throwing out into into this beautiful green clean water that was coming off of this very dense thick cane lined cover uh cove and we just murdered the trout and that wasn't even out of the ordinary it's like nobody even everybody was like yeah man y'all had a good day you know other guys they were like yeah man y'all had another you know y'all had a good day but it was normal it was, i mean it was like yeah i mean you you know Fast yeah. forward to now, that's all gone. Right. It's all, it, it's, it's everything's all just, gone. it's all silted even over. I, and, I was uh, surprised. I mean, you know, I've, I've only been down here in Venice for six years, I think. Um, and the last three have been, only the last three have been inshore. So noticing the marsh after these last right. few storms. It's and changed, they, yeah. dude, they didn't, they weren't even really near us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We I mean, we lost, you know, 20, 30 yards off of some banks and they, they never even came here. Right. Right. They right. didn't even come here. And, you know, I, I don't even want to talk about it, but, you know, Katrina was our last bad hurricane right. and it's, it's kind of scary. Well, we got another one happening. right now. They got dead centered on us coming. Oh, think, did uh, I didn't even see that. Wednesday. Yeah. Down around the Yucatan. That sucks. Yeah. It's like 2020 is just a never-ending year. <laughs> it's definitely been a grind this year with COVID and hurricanes. Well, at least the fishing was decent. Golly. Yeah. We, we, we've had, well, we've had our ups and downs this yeah. year. Yeah. It's been a very up and down. We've had some really good streaks and we've had some bad streaks. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I want to say about the river, you know, with river water, uh, it has also been a. That's has, has I'm sorry, a that's what actually effect. what I was gonna. I was yeah. just about. Well, we to don't ask have the you. filtration that we used to. Right, that's whenever what, we yes. had high river years. So yeah, so for people listening, um, you know, maybe they couldn't. It's hard for them to really grasp what's what's going on down here, but from what I would say in a very simple statement is that we've been manipulating the river for over a hundred years the probably more than that. Of the river. Yeah. and it's it, along with the drilling of oil with pipeline canals mm-hmm. um, has made you know the marsh deteriorate yeah. because the water doesn't go out the way Absolutely. that it naturally flows right so with that being there you know like what do you guys think that we can do to bring because like it, it to me, like my my dad, he just to give you guys a little bit of insight. My dad, since I think nineteen seventy nine, was involved in the artificial reef program out of Mississippi. They would build reefs to make for red snapper mainly was the main reason that they built these reefs. 
But the big thing was always between the biologist and him was if you put these reefs out there, if you put a rig out there, are you making more fish or are you just attracting them? Right. And me personally, I think you're making more fish. If you make it yeah. easier for fish to live, right. the more, you're the making more, more fish. Yeah, the more, the more habitat you have, the more capacity, car- the, your, the greater your, car- your carrying exactly. capacity is. So, you know, is there something that we can do to this marsh well, in, order to make, in order to make more habitat for these fish? There's more people fishing. We could make potentially make more fish for everybody to yeah. catch. Do you think that's possible? Well, they're about to dredge South Pass. I mean, why don't you use that to actually build something meaningful? Right. You know, Instead of just washing it down the, the right, pass, well, right? know, they, or or just pumping it into the ponds and and because it's right over the levee and, and they're filling in estuary, you know, right, just for the sake they, they say they're just filling in an estuary. They're, where, right. you, they're they're ru- they're ruining habitat for the sake of habitat. <laughs> right. It's like it's a, it's pretty amazing. I mean, well, it's like, like you said, on paper they can say, well, we built this many acres of land, but what they don't tell you is that they filled in a pond. That has existed there for 50 years that's held fish for 50 years but they built land you know they don't actually go back and reclaim land that we've lost right 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 and that's what we need we, we need we need a lot of help on, on the outer edges out there that that's where we've just really taken a beating at has, mm-hmm. has been out there on the outer edges and um, you know we, we we need two things we need we need some we need help on the outer edge because it, it'll it, you know to, to kind of help buffer the, those waves coming in but then the other thing is, is that we need help on the outer edge. Is what we need is to we need we need some we don't, we have no solid banks left anymore. Right. Everything is just gutted open and broken and decaying. The water goes a mile back into the canes. It's just a matter like of time. That. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like we need we need solid banks that can stop the water. And right. when you can stop the water, then you can get pools like we used to have. We'd get those pools of nice, clean, salty water, no matter what the river was doing. You'd have those pools of clean water pushed fish back into these. In exactly. Right, exactly. And, and, and we just don't have that anymore. You know, we don't have anything holding the river water back. Right. And, and I, I wish they would talk to us about what they're going to do with everything they dredge out of South Pass and, and talk to some fishermen and, and come up with a solid plan for what they want to do with but, it. And, and the thing about it is that they look down on us like, y'all, you know, you guys are nothing but a bunch of old fishermen that couldn't do nothing else in life. Truth of the matter is, is that three quarters of us are college educated. Right. You know, that is true. We, we, true. We're, we're not stupid people. We're not doing this because this is the only thing we can do. We're doing this because this is what we love to do. Right. And we're educated. And, and even the ones that aren't educated, you got some people out there that aren't educated, but they're smart. Yeah, they're they have smart, some good yeah. ideas. They've seen some things over the years. They have some experience. And way more people, way more so than some guy that works for the Corps that's from New Jersey that just got stationed here. Exactly. For a while. Right, right. You know? And I also think there's a, a different. Uh, a different level or a different type of knowledge that comes from fishermen versus scientists or biologists is very it's very very different like they don't see what we see right. on a daily basis they don't have the same idea like you like they go and they take samples and they get you know i don't i don't know exactly how much they know about this is what's holding fish this is what we need to have more fish you know they don't see that day in day out this year is better than that year. This is why this year is better than that year. Mm-hmm. The changes of all that stuff, you know, that's there. I mean, that you can't tell me that you can get the level of knowledge that you guys, you two, got sitting here from reading a book. It just yeah. does not happen. Well, and that that wealth of knowledge comes from years and years and hundreds of days a year on the water. That's right. And that's that's the only way you're going to get it. You know. You know. And the thing about it is, is that I get it that. 
you know, growing fish is not their priority. You know, their priority is, is growing land. You know, their priority is to be able to say, look, we, we built up 600 acres of land here and that's going to protect us from, you know, from tidal surge and protect our infrastructure of our cities and towns and roads and whatever. I get that. But the, the flip side of it is, is that it wouldn't cost anything extra right to be able to say well you know what instead of pushing it all out right over there what if we just aimed the pipe right over there and built something right there right. instead yeah. it's not like we're asking for a lot of damage. right exactly it's just like why not try to why not try to you know try to kill two birds with one stone yeah you know build land and make it useful i mean china's building entire islands in the middle of the ocean right. by dredging so, yeah and i don't know if you guys know about the mississippi gulf coast but they actually have uh, Round Island, it's in uh, the Mississippi Sound, and they added on to that island. They, they 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 dredged there for a long time, and they made a whole island, and then they made a cove inside of it with an estuary. And they've been, I mean, Mississippi releases over two and a half million trout a year to try to compensate for all of the give mm-hmm. and take or whatever. And, you know, I've thought about it time and time again. Like, what if we could, you know, put rocks around certain coast, you know, edges or... I've even thought about, you know, if they could make a horseshoe, you know, dredge a big horseshoe, make it like 10 foot deep in the middle and then put rocks all around it. I mean, fish would hold in that. If you did Absolutely. that in areas like Blind Bay or something right. like that. Or even up in the South Heritage Pass, just extend off the sandbar that's built over there towards the Yeah, because that thing's about... <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, hopefully it builds back, but I know after those storms, I think... Yeah, uh, the west side definitely got through, blown yeah. back quite a bit. Yeah, yeah the east side's com- pretty much completely gone, yeah. and uh, which, I mean, it, that stuff comes and goes over the years. Years. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much stuff that they could be doing that could be useful, and 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 instead, it's it's just wasted, you know. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's about getting to the right people because you know the you know the oil field. I don't I don't know. Like I, I'm not saying I want to sit here and bash the oil field. I use oil. You know, a lot of people I know make a great living out of the oil field. And a lot of people love the outdoors in the oil field, but maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe y'all could give back a little bit. Right? Yeah, well, to, what, I'm saying, I mean, to what we did to this place, right. maybe. Um, and, and it's not going to be natural. It's not like it's going to be like we never touched it. But maybe we can make an effort right. to make more fish, right. make more habitat for these fish. You know, it, it would. I would. Be, I would love to see something like that happen. And I talk. You know, I'm sure y'all talk to people all the time about this. This is a very, very common conversation in Venice. This isn't. This isn't just us just right. <laughs> coming up right. with a topic right, right. here. No, this is right. very, very talked about and uh, very well understood. By especially, I didn't realize it um, fishing offshore so much in the beginning, but over the last just seeing these hurricanes and talking to a lot of the older guys, you see so like you see so much land just missing. You know, yeah. you're like where's that spot? Oh, I can't run here anymore. Like <laughs> even besides the erosion, though, uh, like 53A. That's a historic monster trout location in Louisiana, and uh, they, they tore it down. I mean, I, I caught an eight-and-a-half-pound trout off of that one this year. That's the Green and, Monster? And, no, no, Green Monster. Well, the Green Monster is another side. one. That's on the west side, but 53A is over on the east side. Mm. And uh, and I, I caught a I, – the last several years in a row, I've caught an eight-pound fish off of that eight-pound trout. Our biggest trout every year come from there. It comes off of that. It comes off of that. It's gone. And, this, like, this year, you know, in, in April, I catch a, a eight-and-a-half – almost nine pound fish off of it and then here we here we go at the beginning of may and we look out there and there's a crane on it and they're tearing it down oh man you know that's it, gotta hurt it's it's i would be so mad like i think i mean there's there's been a lot of rigs i've been mad over the years that have been getting taken down but i can think of a handful right now that i would just 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're like we're begging for habitat, and they're taking it away. You know. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I get it. I mean, I I understand the predicament that they're under. Uh, but something's got to. You know, we just we got to do. There's some things that we could be doing that that. To, to save some of that stuff. Well, you know, CCA some leg- supposedly some legislation doing a rigged to reef uh, deal. And, uh, we yeah, they do a rigged to reef program, but that's that. There is so much stipulations whenever it comes. You know, you got to have. You know, I just know a little bit about it, but you have to have a permitted area where these rigs can actually go. So you're moving right. it. You know, for trout, that will not. That that wouldn't work. I mean, I'm sure that's got to be in a very precise location. Well, well they say green monsters supposedly on the. Uh, the yeah, list they're gonna to, they're gonna restore some bottom stuff there or something. I, yeah. I don't know, but that it'll and probably never be the same. But they and then also too, they got to have certain. You know, whenever you have something sticking out the water, somebody's got to have liability for that. And so, right. and, and if it's not, if it's semi-submerged, they got to have like thirty or right. it depends where it's at. Like thirty. Right. And, and that's years. the thing. I mean, we live in a world today where it's like nobody's responsible for themselves. I mean, if you run into right. a rig, <laughs> it ain't the rig's fault that you right. ran into it. You know. <laughs> But but in today's world it is. It's yeah, still, exactly. You know, somebody, it somebody. Is. It's not your fault. It's always somebody else's. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I understand that. But you know, it's like it's like man, it's like we got. There's got to be some kind of a way to you know right. meet meet in the middle here. So to sum up the the trout fishing limit, that's just not going to help anything. I don't think it's going to change. It's not going to. It's not going to do anything. It's uh, not going to do a thing. I, I agree with that. I think that you know our our fishery is different. We have a lot of habitat there for these fish. I don't. I don't. I see the mentality behind fishermen could help a lot more than that than that limit change. I mean, well, and I you just, know, and, and here's another thing too: is that if you look at the numbers, the numbers, want, and and it's like it's like they don't see it, and I'm like I'm pointing it out to them, and they're, they're like it's just like goes over so many people. Like I'm when I say people, I mean these scholars, right? Um, but it's like they don't get it. It's like it's, you can see it corresponds so directly to the river level. You know, the, the the decrease in the in the trout the the uh, the biomass has been in the last eight years. Right. Look at look at the river stage in the last eight years. It's been pretty terrible. In the last the last eight years, rivers. we've had we've had record spillway openings, and we've had we've had record flood stages, and we've had record you know con- level consistencies and every every it's like the last eight years has been just a disaster as far as river conditions. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's what's crazy to me. I've been down here for seven, eight years, and everybody always tells me, like, man, whenever the trout come in to jump, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I've never anymore. seen it. I've never right. seen that before. And that's the thing. I mean, like, right now, you know, nor- like, right now, the river, yeah, the river's kind of green right now. Right. Kind of green. Right. Uh, but it's holding at about four and a half, five feet. Like, that's, that's, that's where just where normally in October, late October, the river would be at like a foot and a half. You know, right. at the New Orleans gauge. So it's really Two not. It's really not gauge. like low, in the grand low, scheme low, of things, yeah. right? It's not that low. It's not low where it needs to be right. for, the, for what right. we want to happen. Right. To happen. And right. the thing, you know, and don't get me wrong. Now, I'm not one of these people that thinks river that river water is poison. There's some people that think river water is poison. It's not. I don't think it's poison. River water definitely has a lot of fertility, and it, it and it and it, and it and it feeds the ecosystem out there. But with that being said. Is, is that it goes it goes back to what we were saying earlier about how everything is just gutted and blown open that yeah. now there's river water everywhere instead of being in places it's everywhere so that they they never get any relief the trout don't get any relief from it and it's not the trout themselves the big trout the mature trout they can live in that river water and out in the bays or wherever and it's fine i mean they they can grow and get fat and big and healthy and everything else like that they can spawn problem is, is their spawns are unsuccessful because the eggs can't survive 
because there's river water everywhere. Right. And and you know the whole concept with 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 the uh, the eggs is that the eggs should float and and get pulled back into the marsh to hatch and grow. Well, they can't float because the river water is sitting on top of the salt water, and so the eggs just wind up sinking and then they get covered up in silt and they die. So you wind up with a it's all it's all interrelated. I mean we just. Yeah. You know, there's no way to control river level. I mean, that, that's mother nature. Right. There's no way to control it. But the thing that's killing us right now is that that the hurricanes over the years have just gutted everything open. We've had we haven't replaced any of it. And then on top of that, we go up the east side over here and we allow these big old huge bust outs in the in the river. You know, the Mardi Gras Pass and stuff like that. And and it has just completely killed the east side of the river. And people because, try to compare that to us down here with our passes pumping out fresh water but like you explained to me one time well you know 100 I mean you know a mile out right. it's 100 foot deep out there and it's plenty of good salt water right. that can, that know, can pull mix back right. in. we have we don't have that up there yeah. right. it's only 10 foot deep up there you know? right. right you know that the, the, so, so people not listening like Mardi Gras cuts like further up the Venice tell them right that's it's up around Port, uh, Point Lahash Point Lahash uh, across it. the river from Port Sulphur area and so it's there. dumping River water into yeah. salty. It's just flooding everything right. up there, and right. it's and it's changed. It's, and that changes the game for us because trout move there. Well, that that area up there is a, is a, is that's our nursery grounds, right? Not that's, not 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 a hundred percent, but that's a huge. But especially like for all of Breton Sound, for the for the Chandelier Islands and everything, that's the nursery ground. Yeah, all, exactly. Everything everything from Baptiste Colette north all the way all the way around the the cove of of Black Bay and. Um, Shell Beach. over around Shell Beach and the ship channel over there and everything you know that whole area back in there that has always 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 been a salt marsh yeah. and and that's where the, the you know you used to you know five six seven eight years ago you'd go back into those marshes back there and you could catch I mean if you if you had the time to sit there and do it you could catch a thousand undersized uh, speckled trout a day Wow. and not that nobody wants to do that but that's what feeds out into the sound and it, and it and it stocks all the rigs out there it stocks all the islands out there and then to an extent that stuff starts filtering down towards us and it, and it even gives us stock down in, in, in on the east side of the river in Venice I mean, I'd go out on a limb and say it was the worst year we've ever had in, in Breton Sound absolutely yeah absolutely I mean we had some spurts where it was good but um, I mean it's just the whole the whole the water sound, never got right right the whole sound is just covered in, in, in that in that nasty uh, um, algae water that, that stagnates because that area up there is not built for it down, down here we can deal with it better because like john was saying you know you go out a mile and we're in 100 feet of water where, where the salt might be 30 parts per you know parts per million whereas up there you know you go you, the, the saltiest water that they ever have access to might be only ten thousand. so then you dump fresh you dump all that fresh river water into that with all that all the, the nitrogen and nutrients and everything like that and it, it, it it's not enough salt content for the for the trout to, to or the for the the um the spawn to survive uh, yeah. You know, and, and then it gets it gets all trapped up into there, and all that stuff cooks in the heat of the summer, and then it then it washes out into Breton Sound, and it kills all the life out there and everything. And I mean, places where we used to you know pull up on some of those rigs out there in the mornings, and uh, you know when you pulled up in the mornings, they would be blowing shrimp up out of the water, just wow. just all over the surface and everything. I mean, you grab a handful of shrimp and throw them out the boat, you know, it's live bait chum, and they and the, and the shrimp would try to jump back into the boat. <laughs> and, and now you go to those places. 
and it's just solid catfish. And sometimes not even catfish. Sometimes the catfish even get run out of those places. It's it's got no so shortage bad. of catfish. No. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's on. It's it's just it's it's all you know. It's all what we're getting at. The problem isn't how many fish we're keeping. That's not why there's a lower we, number right. of trout out there. It's, yeah, it's, it's our not. habitat. It's habitat. We we've our habitat is just totally different now. If in and now the flip side of that is if everything stayed exactly the same, but we had five years of extremely low river, it would it would come back. We, we, our numbers would increase. Well, my biggest problem with the numbers, though, whenever they published it, they, they showed 2017 as a historic level. Right, right. 2000, if you talk to any fisherman down here, all the way from Grand Isle to Shell Beach, 2017 was a historic year for us. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I know I personally caught 10 fish over 6 pounds. Wow. I mean, and we had absolutely unbelievable. It was like the old days. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. We, we had redfish guides accidentally catching limits of trout. Literally, but if you I look, mean, 2017 was a low river all through the spring. Right, right, right. And that's the other thing too is that you know, it, like 2017. Well, and and we had we had we had a, a little bit of low river right ahead of two, 2007 to have a successful. Was it 15 or 16? Where it was, it was 15. 15. We had a low river, so we we had a successful spawn, and then those fish all showed up for 17. You know, that's when they became you know mature, viable. You know. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 inch fish and then in the bay and then the river got low again where it made them accessible where they, you know, where they could, I think a lot of times what these fish do when, this, when everything gets flooded out like it does with, with this river water, I think those fish just move out off the coast and they go out there in 40, 50 feet of water and they just suspend. They, they move out until they hit a comfortable spot and then they just sit there and they just chill. And then whenever, whenever the conditions get right, or whenever the moon hits right, when they they need to, they need to, they feel the need to come in to spawn or something like that, all of a sudden, boom, they're in, and it's like everybody's like, where did those come from? They're they're here. But in seventeen, they didn't have to do that. In seventeen, they didn't have stay. to go out there and, and live. In seventeen, they, they stayed right. Catching them, right? They they stayed right. right up in you know where they were. February they, and March, we were catching them in the ponds like you're supposed to do. You know, right. we were we were catching. I mean, I think it was in. February, I started catching them down in all the little ponds. Uh, yeah, right there off of Blind Bay. Yeah, right, right. So, do you get? Do you guys think the good old days are gone? Like, do you guys? For now, yeah, for sure. Like, what was a good old day? Like, come on, Brandon, tell me. Like, what? Like, what? It, what was? You tell it? stories all the time. I, I don't. I'll, no, I'm not going to say that the good old. I, I think the consistency of the good old days is gone. But we still have individual days Absolutely, that yeah, rival. Yeah. You know, the that same. We we yeah. had some days this year. For instance, this has been a tough year uh, as far as being up and down. But when, but on the ups, we've had some days that's been like it's like man, like God, dog. I mean, right? I, I can't remember you know being better. I mean, right. I think know. the difference in the good old days was y'all could still catch them whenever there was bad weather. Right, it was, it was more consistent. More yeah, problems catching right. them with bad. In the weather good old now. days, it was more consistent. Uh, but nowadays, we do we you know we still have we still have good days. It's just it's fewer of them because because we can't it, it we just we're not able to be as consistent as we used to be. Right. Um, Sometimes too, I think because like I talk to a lot of the old like uh, the offshore guys. And sometimes I'm like, man, are you guys just remembering the best days? Because like, I don't really remember. Like, honestly, like, I I remember all my customers whenever we had an epic trip. Like, but then I'll have you some people come back with me. Some <laughs> people come back with me and be like, yeah, we fished with you like a few months ago, and I'll be like, oh, what we catch? And they'll tell me what we caught. I'm like, yeah, that, that's why I didn't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, we don't. We're not just remembering. I mean, it was it was consistent. Because I mean, I'm I'm not gonna mention names, but there there's some people that were around back then. That I look at now that I may be like, hmm, I'm not gonna say that guy's the best, right? You know, 
and but back, back I can then, remember I can remember back then there. I can remember that person I can remember seeing them coming in with a lot of fish a lot you know often it was just because we cause, because we, we we could be consistent back then you know I remember being a kid deckhanding for you you know and and going fishing with you and cleaning fish and. Dude, y'all, y'all used to just catch boxes of six and seven pound trout. It was it was yeah. unbelievable. I mean, do you I mean, think you that's because that like you know maybe you're more consistent now? Um, you catch more fish because you're able to keep that. I mean, I I don't know how well you know you know other people or whatever, but like for you personally, was that because of that it, that itch? Like you you lose sleep overnight thinking about where these fish are. Do you feel like that's part of it for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's part of it. I yeah, mean, you feel like you honestly just have this crate because like I, I do the same thing and it's not always for the same species of fish it could be for redfish it could be for something i'm sitting in my bed thinking about this little place and this tide's mm-hmm. going to be doing this tomorrow and the wind's blowing like this and i'm like i got a good feeling and i'll yeah. think about it you know well i mean I, I've, I've like I said, i've been in business for 21 years and i've been i've been fishing down here for i don't know how long but right i still as much as i know this place I still fall asleep at night sometimes on Google Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Me Earth too. I do. I, I'll fall asleep at night looking at Just Google like, Earth. What about that one? Exactly. Right there? <laughs> Zooming in on stuff and saying, "Man, I wonder if the wind's coming out of this direction here. What about that little crack right back in there?" And I mean, I, I've been doing it, like I said, 21 years, and I still fall asleep at night looking at maps. Yeah. That's one one thing I always I, if people you know people bring their boats and ask me for a tip and I'm like, man, the thing I'll tell you about Venice is don't count on one point because they could be that point could have been good three years ago and hadn't right. been good since. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> it just has to do with the way things move and what's going on at that time. So it's an always changing estuary. Yeah, sure. it is. Yep. It definitely changes so much. The towers off the of South Pass. <laughs> I wish somebody would go out there with a chainsaw and cut them down so customers would quit asking us what, they, what, what they're them, for. I asked them about this before we did the podcast. I was kind of going over the questions. I was like, man, like, do y'all know what these damn towers are off of South Pass? They got, even got some in Southwest Pass, I think. Right. And dude, there's these towers, I guess. If anybody's been down here, you've probably seen them. But y'all don't know what they are either. The only thing I can figure, and I don't have any idea how old they are. I mean, they've been there as long as I can ever remember. And everybody, the, the, the oldest people that I can ever think of knowing down here has said that they've been there. They were old back then when they... The only thing I can think of is that they had to have been some type of, of lookouts or something for whenever, you know, whenever... Because yeah, like they, they had an army base down yeah. on Burwood, well, right? Well, well, yeah. And, you know, in Southwest, South, uh, South Pass used to be a, a main channel. You know, right, right. They main, used to be able to put right, boats up there. Right, yeah. and, you know, and, and that was that in, today, in, in South Pass was actually that was that was that was uh, John Eads's project. That you know he kept going to the Corps, telling them that that what they were doing was wrong, and that he could make he could keep the the passes uh, navigable without having to do all that dredging and everything. And so he started that he's the one that, that started talking. You know, just, basically introduced them into the doing you know building wing dams and. Uh, to to keep the current funneled to the middle of the passes and stuff, and, and the jetties to keep the current the current funneled until a safe until it got out to a certain depth or whatever, and to you know to increase which, in the long run, wound up destroying our 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 our, our coastline. But it works, you know. Yeah. And, and the only thing I can figure is at, at one point there were wing dams in South Pass. <laughs> um, they're not there anymore. Uh, with a, there probably are some some right. some posts down yeah. there somewhere, but. Uh, but no, uh, Jared Cubbage, he was he sent me some photos the other day of some old photos from Burwood. Have you guys ever seen those satellite images from Burwood? 
there, there was a sure. whole military base and a whole road with houses. Really? Yeah, I, I can was remember the house. I can remember the houses was because a, there was actually a spot. That was pretty a, impressive. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, I had no idea there was this much down here. And I asked him about it as well, and he said that he he thinks that those might have been having to do with something with the army base watchtowers yeah. for people that are coming. That's the only thing I can figure is it had to be some type of watch, right, you know, watchtowers yeah. for you know because you I'm know, tired of making up stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> you know, they, they didn't have electronics and and stuff like that and everything. And so when they when you know I guess they had to have people that to help them guide up the river and stuff yeah. like that they or whatever. Old. They look yeah. old. I'm sure you well, can after this last storm, a lot of the, the bank at South Pass has been exposed on the edges and uh there's stuff in there we've never right. even seen before. Right. There, there's, there's like little boards and pilings and, pilings and, looks and like stuff in old there. Broken and walkways and all kinds like of stuff. God all only over knows what there. used to really be there. Right. Like, yeah. you know. no. But talking about talking about Burwood, I'll tell you a little quick story about trout fishing and some history. Um, like you said, uh, with Burwood, there, there used to be uh, houses and all kind of stuff in there. Well, uh, even during my time, I can remember there being houses, uh, row, a row of houses back in there. And um, we, the, it's all busted through now. It goes all the way back into, you know, all, all the, the beach is busted through back there all the way into the, to the, uh, the old Burwood Bayou and all that and everything. It's all just completely drastically different. But that, used, that beach used to extend way out. And... Uh, that, that it used to be some pretty good trout fishing there and really? uh they one day we was we 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 had a little spot in there it was just a it, it would change you know it, it didn't last for long because the, the beaches changed but for what, about two years the trough was right in front we'd line up we would line up and there was a green there was a green looking camp up there or a house or whatever it was and we would we would anchor up right there on that on that that uh that trough in the sandbars right there and um i fished uh not lately, but you know, years ago, um, I made friends with uh, Terry Saints here. Uh, from he's uh, he has a camp over in Grand Isle, and he's considered the grandfather of, of Louisiana speckled you know, not speckled trout fishing, but Louisiana trophy trout fishing. Mm-hmm. He's big won right. He's won everything in the world there is to win as far as like big you know big speckled trout and stuff like that and everything. And uh, we uh, we met at an awards banquet where we had actually tied for first place, um, but. Uh, we um we got we became kind of him mean, he's much 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 older than me and mm-hmm. but we just kind of became friends because we had a mutual appreciation of the knowledge you know and he said man I'd love to come fish with y'all and and uh, learn you know kind of see what y'all do over there in Venice and stuff like that and I mean this is a seventy year old man that was like literally a legend and I'm I was at the time maybe twenty right and he's telling me and I was like well, you know okay and <laughs> so um I, I go over to his camp in Grand Isle and uh, this is actually this may have been. Probably my first year as a as a as a as a uh, a, a full time advertising guide, and but I, I go over to his camp, and uh, he wanted me to come over there because he had this this whole full process that he went through catching croakers and stuff like that. He go three o'clock in the morning, we got up, went and pulled a trawl and everything like that. Well, we run all the way from to Venice from from Grand Isle with with four hundred of the prettiest croakers, and uh, we pulled up. And uh, we, we that's where we fished at that day was on the that that East Bay Beach right there mm-hmm. in front of Birdwood and we anchored up right there. Those breakers were breaking and rolling. They would break out, you know, and then they would build back up. It was about probably three or four feet deep in that trough, and then it would roll up onto a um. There was a, a little little just a little bit of cane stubble that stuck out right there, and those fish would just stack up in that trough right there, big fish. And uh, we uh, we sat right there that day. We caught seventy five trout and. Uh, 
I, I knew they were big, you know, as far as the average. We didn't catch any nine or ten pounders. So, I mean, I, that's what we ended up, but that's what we were looking for was a nine or ten pounder. And, uh, but we had some sevens and eights and stuff like that. And then wow. back in those days, I mean, that was kind of like, hmm, that's a, that's a good fish, you know, it's a good one. Uh, but we got back and, and I guess while we were, while we were headed back to Grand Isle, it kind of stewed on him and he was like, this is one of the biggest 75 trout limits that I've ever seen. And, uh, I was like, yeah, it's pretty solid. And he's like, mm. he said, no, he said, he, he called everybody Duke. He said, no, Duke. This may be the best, and uh, <laughs> so he he actually we actually weighed the fish. He he was like because he keeps records, and uh, we actually weighed the fish. And this was not guessing. This wasn't you know people. This is say, what is what it was. It, this, it, this is exactly documented at at um not Bridgeside but um Sand Dollar at Sand Dollar Marina. We we weighed these fish, and uh, it came out to a 4.73 pound average on 75 trout. Wow. And uh, people say all the time that we had we had 30 fish that were, uh, we had 30, we had 38, 36 or 38 fish that were over five pounds. Wow, um, that's impressive. And people all the time say, oh yeah, man, we had 100 trout, we had a three, four pound average. No, absolutely not. No, you have, nobody's ever seen that. That, that, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that, that, that's unrealistic. Whenever you see a four pound trout, that's but this was that's a different right. fish. <laughs> this was and, 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 and Terry was like, no, this, he said this is different. He said this, we don't have any small fish. He said this is un, this is pretty unbelievable. And like I said, we weighed the fish, and uh, we we had uh, we had thirty eight fish, thirty six or thirty eight, whatever it was, that were over five pounds. We had a dozen fish over six pounds. Wow, and uh, we had a it was a four point seven three pound average uh, on seventy five trout that uh, put me to shame, man. I caught my biggest <laughs> one last year. I was so excited about it. it was six 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 twenty seven inches. I was that's a, that's, a, that's a that's a that's a stud. You know? <laughs> that's a really good fish, though. <laughs> What's your biggest, Brandon? Um, my my personal biggest is right at just shy of ten. I could not. I I can't. I just can't say that I've officially broke ten. I, my biggest one was nine and three quarters. Mm. Uh, but the same day that I caught that fish. My buddy caught one that went over ten, really? and uh, we only caught nineteen fish that day. And we were we were at the South Pass Jetties, mm-hmm. and John was a kid when I brought these fish home. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> we had nineteen. Like, oh we God. had nineteen fish, and it drives me crazy because we had nineteen fish, and I caught seventeen of them, and my buddy caught the one over ten. Dang! But but we had nineteen fish that, and we didn't realize what we had. Uh, I was probably. Daddy was the one that really had to try right. to break it down. I was to probably you. 18 years old, uh, maybe 17, and uh, we knew we had done well. Like we knew these, like we were like, man, these are nice fish, and uh, but we weren't. We 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 really didn't understand. But we had when we got home, my daddy. I told him I'd called my daddy back then. We had the, you know the big old block cell phones or something, you know. And I would call him. I said, hey, I'm about to come up to the house. I got something to show you and stuff. So. I back up into, we had them in the back of the truck. We'd taken them out of the boat and put them in the truck, and we backed up to the porch. And John and my other brother and my daddy and all them, all, they all come walking out. And when I opened up that ice chest, my daddy almost, he almost, he almost died. We had 90. <laughs> he almost fainted, literally. We, like, yeah, we had a, we had a 160-quart ice chest, a 160-quart igloo ice chest. And we had 19 speckled trout with no ice. 
and it was filled to where I had to smash the lid to snap it. Holy moly! With nineteen speckled trout. So like they, were, so you had a couple nines and tens, but how big were the other ones? I mean, we, they were all seven plus. Yes, we all we our, our ten fish stringer that day. That was actually about the Ed Sexton's got the famous like like uh, what was his stringer like eighty. 84 pounds, I think, was what his stringer was. 10 fish? Yeah, 10 fish wow. stringer was 84 pounds. Ours was like 82. And this oh, was like two or three wow. days after he did that. Wow. Uh, and both of those stringers came from the uh, the South Pass jetties. And uh, I've always heard, I've, I listened to Chris Bush's podcast, and they said that a lot of old timers said, it's where you catch the big one, South Pass. Well, it's Rock changed Jetties. so much. It's definitely yeah, it's not changed. There. It's, not, it's not like that, that. Again, Corps of Engineers, I, you know. It is what it is. I hate to keep harping on them, but it is what it is. They ruined it. They, they you know, they they used to be. A, I mean, there, there was a seawall. There, well, there still is a seawall there. Right. But they decided one time to go in there and put rocks on top of it. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if something's sitting on top of mud and you add weight to it? Right. It sinks. Sink. It sinks. <laughs> so the first hurricane that came through knocked all the rocks off of it, but it, it smashed. It's where they put all the rocks on it. It smashed the seawall down, and then a hurricane came over and knocked all the rocks over. And so now it's, you know, you, I mean, people still get hung up on tear lower units and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on a good tide, you can just run right over top of it with an offshore boat and not even know it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it sunk so much. And uh, it just ruined it. You know, it's just not the... It's not what it is. It's not the same. So, with, you know, you caught a lot of giant trout, obviously, better than I've ever done. Um, big bait, big fish. Is that a myth? I think it really depends on your what you're doing. If you're fishing artificials, I may agree with that. You know, throwing a bigger bait, you probably have a better chance of catching a bigger trout. But live bait fishing, I wouldn't say that there's. I mean, honestly, I probably had my best success on smaller baits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very situational. Um, and one one thing that I that I will say is that in all of my years of, of cleaning big trout. Brandon, I mean, real quick, just to clarify, do you do artificial fishing? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, do we you fish. mainly do yeah, fish everybody, everybody thinks we only fish artificial. I mean, everybody thinks we're, we're live bait fishermen. We do fish a lot of live bait. We don't leave the dock without live bait. Live bait's insurance. It is. If, That's what if I say, we can, <laughs> If we can catch them on plastic, yeah, absolutely. We're mm-hmm. going to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, caught, I've caught big ones. I mean, I've caught fish. It depends fish. on the customer, too, man. Like... Some people give them a rob of a piece of plastic with it that they might not catch anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, it's all situational. Yeah, but in all of my years of of cleaning big, of cleaning bigger, you know, bigger sized trout, um, very seldom do I find huge baits in their in their stomachs. It's yeah. normally balls of small shrimp, or uh, or balls of um, they like gobies. Uh, mm-hmm. What are those things called? The, the some there's some some kind of uh, goby whatever oh, minnows uh, stuff yeah in, in like in like uh, glass minnows big glass trout minnows. have a lot of big like like glass, like mature looking glass minnows in them and stuff yeah. they have a lot of those balled up but but in the, I mean they're big for glass minnows but in the grand scheme of things they're small and they'll have those just ball like balls of them in their stomachs now I have cleaned them and they'll have you know six eight inch croakers or pogies and mullet and all kind of stuff like that in them i cleaned trout one time that had a uh that had belly all of the fish had belly full of um of baby mangrove snapper in them what yes and, and let me and you never guess where i caught them at that's pretty cool head of passes really i caught them at head of passes in november and their bellies were full of baby mangrove snapper that's wild. I it, caught a four-pound flounder in South Pass a couple of years ago that threw up a mangrove snapper yeah. whenever I threw it into the boat. That's wild. I, and then real quick, I wanted to ask you, have you ever caught speckled trout at the rigs in East Bay? Because I fished some <laughs> I have caught a few, but not <laughs> Because, like, I've always and thought it's, that it's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. 
I went out there one day years ago, and I was determined because I mean, you think about where those rigs are located. <laughs> you got Southwest Pass, which there's been a lot of big trout. In Southwest Pass, you hear more about redfish, but there's been a lot of big trout over the years caught off mm-hmm. of the Southwest Pass rocks and around Southwest Pass. You got that right there. Then you got a bay that's in between them with rigs in it, and then you got South Pass, which is world famous for big trout. You know, the mud lumps is right there. In right. The, in the in in the in the, the sand the Coast Guard sandbar and the South Pass jetties and 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 all those all that stuff. I mean, it's just it's it's, everywhere around it. It's, it's, great. it's surrounded <laughs> by historical trout fishing, but those rigs for some reason. They don't hold speckled trout, and That's I don't so know. Weird. I don't know why. I have no so idea weird. why. I really wanted to ask you that because, like, you know, I, it's a great. I love fishing East Bay. I fish yeah. there a lot, and I, I don't know. I've, I've always thought that they would be there. I've I've talk, I talked people. to Billy Wells about it a couple weeks ago, and he was like, "Have you ever caught speckled trout there?" I'm like, "No." He's I like, "I don't know why I haven't either." <laughs> I, I've heard that 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 you know that on extremely low rivers that people have caught them in there before and stuff like that. But I fished out there in, in low rivers. I went out there one day. And this was during... I've you know, caught boatloads of white trout. Yeah, boatloads of white yeah. trout. I mean, I've caught everything. Everything you can imagine out there except yeah. speckled trout. Now, the bottoms of those rigs, do they do they bed those with limestone like they do say no, like, in sound? Because like, that's your best very, ones. very muddy bottom. I mean, I've done those rigs quite That may be the end. difference. But some of them, there. a lot of them, a lot of them have a lot of trash on the bottom. And, yeah. and I've found a bunch of them that have that have good structure on the bottom. Not necessarily not necessarily shells and rocks and stuff but good structure and they just don't hold anything just my little take on it because you know i've I've fished a lot you know not anything very specific i feel like i'm more broad um and one thing i will say is like during a really hot bite like if everything's really and you want to catch something bigger that's when i feel like you should tie on a bigger bait yeah i mean just much like tuna fishing if you're catching if you got plenty of little tunas around if you throw out something a little bit bigger than what they can't really handle, you're more apt to get because the bite's hot. The big fish might be there. Can't disagree. So with that, you know yeah. what I mean. You, well, you throw a little right. bit bigger of a bait, you might gonna... get them. But if you it, and at the same time, if it's completely dead, and I'm you know I'm throwing plastics, I'm throwing artificial, I'm gonna size it down to try to try and make it eat, get something. You know what yeah. I mean? You're right. just doing. Whatever. And that's what I was gonna say a while when I was saying situational is that like if if I'm in a bite where um, you know, there's a lot of fish, and I feel that there is a chance of there being a uh, a bigger fish mixed in with the with those numbers. Then, yeah, I would probably want to throw something a little bit bigger, something to, XL, yeah. or something. But but even still, but I mean, I, you know, trouters when they, when they get worked up like that, they're so aggressive that I mean, I, I've seen I've seen some small some small fish with, that hit some big baits, you know. Yeah, and, and at I've the cleaned, same time, a big trout might want something right, a bigger bait, right. right. And I'm I'm one of these people too. When when I top water fish, a lot of people want to throw the biggest top water baits and stuff like that and everything for you know for uh for 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 trout for big trout i i, I like a, a small medium-sized top water and yeah. and, and my, my whole theory behind that is that you're not generally when you're fishing top water you're not fishing uh a, a, a you know a rabid school of trout you're fishing for individual you're, you're, you're working, fishing for a you're working fish. right you're yeah. working down a flat that that you know a, a sand bank or a, over stubble or what you know wherever and you're expecting a big one to be there 
And so you're not trying to you're not trying to catch a hundred trout. That's a different targeting a big trout's a totally different game right. than targeting a bunch of trout. Right. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and we we occasionally catch some, you know, just just dig it confused and wind up, you know, showing up with a with a <laughs> right with yeah. a with with a school of smaller ones and stuff. But generally, the days when I catch a big one, I know I'm going to catch a big one. Right. Uh, I, I'm not. Did that I'm not, not happen? I, I don't know if it was a, a Facebook post you said, but it was like first cast you, that morning. You caught like an eight pounder. It probably like that. well it, yeah I believe well, was, was that this year I think it might have been this year yeah that was no that was actually <laughs> no that that was actually with um with Josh and Tiffany uh, some customers of mine uh, that they've kind of become uh, friends but uh, we pulled up to this spot and I and I and I told him I said look I said when you pull up on, on these on these spots like this and uh, it, it's generally speaking and that's what we were there for we'd already we'd already caught you were there to catch a big right. one we right we had already that morning we our first stop of the morning we caught 50 trout mm-hmm. and and so we and we left our our next 25 uh just to see if we could get you know some get cushion some to, right to cushion a cushion to keep a big one and uh because he because josh wants to put one on the wall and uh tiffany always catches the big one but anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> so we pull up on this spot and we pulled up and i told him i said look uh, y'all, and well, we get we we stop and we get positioned. All right, and say all right, guys. I said, look, the way this water's coming around through here, there's a, there's a high spot here, a high spot here, but there's a little bit of a trough that runs through that through, through this stuff. I'm trying not to give away what I'm talking about. Right, here, right, but right. We're gonna, I understand give a little that. Bit here, but, uh, I said those fish are gonna lay right there. I said the way this current's running through here, you're gonna that cork's gonna sweep across right here. And I was I was using a very long, deep, deep fishing cork the way I was the way I was swimming that bait through there. And uh, I said, and uh, so I to tell them what to do and everything. And I'm sitting back, and I don't like to fish right off the bat. And so you're reason, fishing cork and live bait. Yes, and uh, the reason why is because generally speaking, when you pull up one of them spots like that, the big one's going to bite first. First, right? And they, and they're all hemi hauling in the boat. Josh is back there opening up a water and stuff. I'm like, dude, I'm like, y'all need to make your cast. I said, the 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 the, 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 the timing is right right now. It was right at the right, you know, the tide was right and everything. I said. Don't don't waste don't waste your time. And just wandering around the boat, and I was like, so I grabbed my rod. I said, I'm gonna make a cast, and Josh was just like, huh, whatever, dude. You know, I throw over there first cast. It was an eight and a quarter. You know, <laughs> and uh, that's, dude, that's got to be an extremely good feeling to be able to do that. You know, like to know. You know, I, I just recently caught some massive triple tail. And the thing is, is I told my customer to book this day if you want a big one. And whenever you're right, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what you want. Whenever yeah. you're right, it's not like, right. you know, that's, that's one thing. You know, I've caught big fish not actually trying to catch them. But right. whenever you're trying, you're targeting that right. fish and you make it happen, that's yeah. that's that feeling yeah. that we all want as God. You yeah. know, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> To be able to tell your person that and well, <laughs> see, and there, there's some luck involved in it too. Because of, no, that. there's absolutely don't don't get me wrong. I've told people that so many times and failed, but <laughs> yeah, well, well, the reason it does work, it makes I, right. I look like a complete right. asshole. Well, uh, the reason I'm saying there's some luck involved because it don't always work like that. Where like I was saying, I generally the first fish is the biggest one because I had some guys one time and we were at, uh, at the South Pass Jetties and uh, this was many years ago and we'd sat there that morning. And uh, we had caught 70 trout at the end of the, when it was over. We had 70 trout that was between like three and, and seven and a half pounds or so. And I never made a cast. And I was letting them catch all the fish. And we went through over 100, you know, 100 pack of jig heads that day. Fishing, we were fishing artificial. 
and uh, I uh, we went we went through over a hundred jig heads that day, and I had retied those guys so many times, I'd gotten them off the rock so many times, but it was worth it because of the fish we were catching. So we get right at the end of the day, and uh, one of the they, they I think all three of the guys or four of them wherever it was, they all snagged, and everybody snapped off or whatever, and they were like, man. I don't even worry about retying us, man. You ain't even caught a fish today, dude. Brandon, grab your pole and you make it. Catch, catch you one before we're done, man. Catch you one before we go. I grab, I grab my pole, and it was. It's actually one of the fish that's on the wall over here. And I grabbed my pole. I made one cast that day, and this was at the end of the day after they had pulled seventy fish out of that hole in there. I made one cast, and and I did. I I will I will say I did cast slightly different than they did. Yeah, I, I was going to ask. You, I, I cast it at a little bit that's different that of feeling, an angle. That's that gut. That's that thing. That's I, that I had been and, and honestly I had been, been watching. What I had they been were doing, watching man. what they were doing, and I, and I kept thinking to myself, they still ain't put a bait right there, and that's where I, that's where I've consistently caught those big ones at, and, and over the over the over the years off of the, where their jetties were there, and I said they still nobody's put a bait there, and that's where I made my cast too, and I and it was textbook. I threw it. I pulled one strip of line out, flipped my uh, flipped my handle over. I was using casting reel, flipped my engaged my reel, and I held my rod tip up high. And as it started, as it started, you know, I, to, I helped pull my rod tip up high to, to to pull the slack. You know, the slack that I pulled off the reel, I let it, you know, to get it out. And I was I was lowering my rod tip down, and about about right at eight count. Normally that's where they're at eight count. And at eight count, I went to turn my handle to to go to to give it that first pop. And when I did. And I, I just, I had another story just pop into my head. I'm going to tell you, you'll appreciate Um I, I popped, I went, right as I went to pop it, I felt him thump it. And I set the hook. And it, it was um, nine, uh, 9.14, I think is what that fish weighed. Damn. And uh, nine, uh, nine, 13, nine, some, it was high nines. High nines. And that was the only cast I made that day. And, uh, Wow, and that was after they had caught all of those fish out. So that one there came at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the uh, right the the, the, the run. Now what I was what I what just what just popped into my mind because that same exact cast that I that I just described to you, the largest triple tail that I ever caught, which was the first triple tail that I ever caught, was right there on that exact same cast and actually the exact same bait. Really, it was, I it believe was, it was thirty. Spot, I forget 30, uh, 31 pounds, thirty two pounds, whatever it was. And I had no idea what it was. I was a teenager, <laughs> and, we, and I caught, and we, we went there to catch the big, you know, to fish big fish trout. trout yeah. And the first cast I made, the first cast there, right on, right off the tip of the jetties, right between the jetties and where the old piling used to stick up, right there. And on an eight count, he then I, I stuck, I stuck that, that big triple tail, and he come up and like look like a, you know, like a bass. They shake on the surface like a, like a yeah, bass do would some do. Badass shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and uh and I was like, holy crap! Like, what was that? You know? And my and, and none of us knew what it was. It was my dad. And, and uh and, and a friend of ours and then my dad when we finally got into the boat we were like oh my god what is it and my dad was like i think that's a triple tail that's what they call a triple tail and i was like well i don't know what it is it's pretty cool you know <laughs> Dude, those things are crazy like Tell i had i missed the i missed the 30 pounder oh, what did i do with it you threw it back no i didn't i thought you threw it back no i kept it we kept, you kept it. that yeah one. yeah i don't remember not that dumb it. huh no, we, no, no my daddy said my daddy said i, I think those are really good eating <laughs> No, I didn't. We didn't throw it. Back. I could have swore you threw it. Back. Uh-uh. No, we didn't. Throw That's it back. crazy. No, I, I, I got a picture of it somewhere. You know, talking about how weird this year's been. I am not. I in no way, shape, or form am I claiming to be a triple tail expert. But I've caught my share of them over the years, and this is probably the first year that I can remember since I caught my first one that I haven't caught one. I have not caught a single one this year. I've, really? se- I've seen a couple, and and I've and I've, I've fished them, trying and 
Never had any bite. Never know, we normally accidentally catch them uh, fishing rigs for trout. Right. Yeah. Now we'll pick up some triple tail here and there, but we we never not saw not a that single this year. one this year. Really? I saw a lot floating too that I tried to, to uh, fish yeah. that wouldn't wouldn't even look at the bait. I mean, just completely ignore it. Yeah, that just see a lot this year on uh, water highs and stuff. That right. Uh, I even that's what we, we we'll, we'll, when we're running across the open water. You know, we yeah, fish, we fish that a lot. That's stuff. how we catch a lot. When we're running from rig to rig or from island to island or something like that, you know, we will. We check all those patches of hyacinths and stuff, and I mean, there's always you know the few you know right. few out there and stuff. And this year we've seen we saw some never could not not never got one to bite. Right. I've yeah. actually got a video of me just just running the cork past one's nose, and he wouldn't even look at it. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> they're stubborn. like that man. It's they're very to me they're very similar to cobia. It's like they'll eat anything mm -hmm. you got or nothing at all yep. and don't waste yep. your time getting good bait for them because <laughs> yep. they're either going to eat it or they're not for yep. sure so is there maybe something that a customer does that makes your day or maybe something that they do <laughs> really big fat like? tips <laughs> yeah, big tips so let's just talk about all that like what what um and this this will probably be a really good topic to kind of wrap this podcast up with but, you know, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what customers should expect when they come down to Venice. Because, you know, for people listening to this, that could be some really useful information. I've, I've felt really bad a few times with customers. Like, man, why didn't nobody tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> um, so some maybe some stuff like that, as well as, you know... Um, what we just what we just said. Well, like, luckily, for, luckily for us, uh, my wife handles all of our bookings, and and she goes over everything with people. So they, right, they yeah. know they know they what get to confirmation they, they, emails, yeah. text messages, phone calls. Yeah, with Mexican Gulf, with Mexican Gulf as yeah. well. We, we right. they're pretty they're pretty good about that. Whenever I get a trip from somebody or whatever, however you know you meet somebody at the dock right. that had a bad Our experience. biggest pet peeve might be though people bringing their own fishing gear. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, you don't we, like we that. Don't like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't like that. Yeah. Our We've stuff got is... a certain way that we do things, and the way our stuff is set up, we know that it's going to work. Man, I totally agree because you know, whenever, like, some the way that somebody else might catch speckled trout, like there might be another guy down here that could be just as successful as you guys, but they do it completely different. Right. right. So. Yeah. For them, like, oh, we catch speckled trout like this in Texas, and they bring it here. Right. No. Right. <laughs> it's not working. That, that's one of the, the things we hate the worst is whenever somebody comes and says, yeah, we're, we're, we're guides back home. We're guides. <laughs> Those are the worst Our people to deal fishermen. with. Because they are terrible fishermen. They're not really guides. They, they fancy themselves as being guides, but they're I've terrible taken some real. I've taken some real guides. But I, they're I, mean, pretty, yeah, I have to. Yeah, I'm but, sure you have, but they're pretty reluctant to tell you that. Usually exactly. because they have the that's same. Right. They that's have exactly the same, right. They have the it's same the more persona. They, the more they brag do. about being a guide, the more, the more they're not. Or they're tournament fishing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's it's it, yeah, but um, I took a I took a bass a bass uh I don't know it was pro semi pro something like that and took him triple tail fish and he got his feelings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny. But that's um, the thing too is a lot of people uh, that show up they show up with expectations to fish like what you see on TV. Yeah. They see our post on Facebook. They see the highlights, and, the, and that's they have that highest level of expectation. And they don't realize that's the cherry pick day you saw out of fifty, mm -hmm. or the, the, they see the, they see the they see the results, but they don't understand how you got there. 
They think yep, they absolutely. see they see these big old huge loads of fish, and they don't understand that they in their mind, man, those guys pulled up, and it was every cast in every direction, and that's not always. Sometimes that's the case, but there's a lot of times when you see those big old lugs of fish we've got, and that we worked for them. You and worked some, for and, them. And you some, thought about it for days yeah, and, and days. Sometimes it and tried been, and, right. and failed and it, a few days before that. Yeah, you failed and, it, and, and, and it may have been the last spot. Right. We may have struggled all day long, and then smoked them on the last spot. And people get in. They, they if they, we pull up to the very first spot, and if it ain't every cast, they they they're just like, oh my god, oh lord, they, and they freak, give up, they freak it out, and they give up. And, and, you know, I've said it a lot too. Is you know the success of a the success the the success of a charter is determined by the customers expectations before they ever even got there absolutely so like you know sometimes you know people that have these extremely extremely high expectations their odds of having a bad trip are actually going to be pretty likely yeah and you know i've i've been in the same boat i i plan spear fishing trips halfway across the world and you know i you know I, i'm a fisherman i've been doing this whole my life and you know i i know that i'm i'm trying for a chance and i've gone i mean i went back to costa rica four times before I found the fish that I was looking for, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and that people don't, I, I, sometimes I feel like in the world that we live in today, people can be like, oh, that's the picture. I want to buy that. And right. They, can buy they, that they think it's a grocery store. Yeah, but that's the beauty. Just... That's the beauty of fishing is it doesn't happen like that. Right. There's you a don't... struggle involved in it right. that makes us all right. crazy. You don't, you don't, you, don't you got to appreciate the struggle. If right. you don't that's appreciate right. the yeah. struggle, that's what makes the good days even better. Right. Exactly. You don't. You don't. You don't walk in and pick it up off the shelf. You right. Know, you have to walk in and work for it. Right. Know? Yeah. You got to. You got to earn it. And also, I think that you know, like every guy, you know, like you know, I, I've I've gone through stretches where I'm like, man, is this the right? Is this the right career for me? Like, it's just, <laughs> you get real down. I'm like, man, you're real down on myself. <laughs> I'll tell you, you what, I've had some days like that this year. I've been doing this for 21 years, and I pride myself on on being good. And there's been some days this year I'm like. And I don't know if I'm cut out for this. <laughs> no, it's true. Like you, you know, and like you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I hear people talking about fighting and like MMA and stuff, and how you know you're constantly getting humbled because there's always somebody out there that's going to beat you. And for right. us, that's Mother Nature. You know, yeah, like you know, absolutely. you're you're always going to be humbled. And I think that that's the one of the coolest parts about fishing is that you're constantly being humbled, and as you, as you, you have yeah. to. You have to accept that. You have to accept that failure and get after it the yep. next day. And yep. it's, to me, it's the coolest part about it. You know, like just as much as it sucks coming back with, you know, you know, not that many fish or however it is, it just, it gives you that drive. Well, you better not suck tomorrow too. Because yeah. <laughs> See, our best days seem to come off rebound days. You have your yep. worst day, then you have your yep. best day. That is you so get that true, hunger yeah. and you're like, I'm not going to have that yep. day again. There's well, absolutely and, and, nothing and, that's going to stop me. And you learn from the day the day that you got your butt kicked. Yep. You, you learn. You learn. What Something you, wasn't right. What, 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 you know, what, did I, what did I do that day? And a lot of times it's because you were too antsy, you know, too too ready to absolutely. move and stuff I, like I that. that sure. and, and that's one of that. I'm feel like that's a big, you, you feel like that's a big deal with trout fishing? Like, I think that's a big patience. deal for, for me in particular. Yeah. And, and the reason that, that, that there are some days that John kicks my butt is because <laughs> I've got so much stuff running. They call me Captain Hindsight, or they started that here lately because they yeah, call me, because I always say, you know, I was thinking about that. Because and, <laughs> and, 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 I literally am. I've got so much stuff over the years logged into my head bet, that man. it's like it's hard to stop myself from just running around wild sometimes. Yeah. And, and and sometimes I have to just and John's good about that about just 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 he gets a bite and he's going he's going to work it out right and, he's you know work it out. and some some of that's his personality 
you know, some of that's his personality to, to just to, to be able to be patient to do that. But then some of it is that he doesn't have all that stuff running through his head either that, that I do. You know, so it's it's kind of a it's good to have that stuff yeah. in your head. But then sometimes it's 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 detrimental because it, it'll run you ragged. And then so when normally when I have one of those days like that, it's like the next day it's like, all right. I need to go. I need to. I need to pick what I'm going to do today, and 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 I need to. I need to. I need to stick with that, and, and not not go running around like a maniac. You know, not try to run from Southwest right, Pass right. to Uritic back over to, <laughs> yeah. to, to to Grand Gosher and then go fish and then go, and then go fish the Empire Jetties. You know, right? Go be a ball here and run the curly again. Yeah, <laughs> I've thought about that a lot. As like you know, being a younger guy down here, I'm only 25 years old. You know, definitely don't have nearly the wealth of knowledge that you know you know people that have been you know sons and and, and cousins of people from down here and, and you know that that type of knowledge but do you think that that you know some sometimes that knowledge isn't really relevant because of how much our fisheries changed over the years I, I, yeah i would say that that has something to do with it too i mean i, I would say that that's a good point that uh because i know like i mean they, like whenever i, I mean I, I i got my boat august 2018 and you know i can you know, there's they, there's places I caught fish and I haven't caught fish right. there since. <laughs> right. And that, you know? that's that's what I think one of the things that is, I mean I'm not really that old, but I've got the experience. You know, I've I've done this so long that I'm I'm basically in in, in experience wise I'm an old timer. And but whereas a lot of old timers they only they only go so far with their knowledge and they just like you know what I know all this stuff and this is just where I'm going to stay at and things change. And they get passed up, and I think that's one of the things with me is that I've never allowed myself to, to, to get comfortable, to, to get comfortable and stagnant. Yeah. You know, no matter every every I can year, I'm trying to tell, figure, I can I'm definitely to tell new. that you pay att- you. I mean, in order to catch trout down here, you definitely have to pay attention to a lot of different moving variables. <laughs> I mean, well, and I'm, and I'm let's, let's be honest about this too. It ain't just us. I mean, we no, we've got a, we've got a network. Yeah, you we, guys do. Yeah, we, you we get we get a lot of information from a lot of people. And uh, now we, you know, we capitalize on that information. We, you know, we. We're, you guys keep your your circle small. I tell you, we've got a yeah, good group yeah, of friends we, that we, we're able to to pick their brains. Like you know, I'll say you know, Giacomo and Jonathan Sanchez and Larry Sinatra from Shell Beach. I mean, their their information to us is extremely valuable because they fish that entire side of other Bretons. Of right, other they Bretons they out. work they work from the north back towards yeah. us. We, we meet in the middle and we're all communicating, and it lets us know what we need to do. What's working for you? What's working for me? You know, we can. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then on top of that we've got you know there's a lot of days that we've got six seven eight nine boats that are working for us that are all that are all in all kind of different directions and stuff like yeah. that and they're they're passing information back to us and stuff you know 15 years ago I think every fisherman does that for the most part yeah Just the more the more you get into it the yeah. more it's well you know. know 15 years ago that wasn't as critical because, like I said, the fishing was just a little bit easier because because it was easier to be consistent because of conditions and stuff, you know. Right. Um, but now, but see, it's, it's, me, me personally, though, like, I, I mean, I know, like, I'm not a big radio fisherman. <laughs> I hate being on the radio. Like, I purposely mm-hmm. turn, like, there'll be, I'll, I won't even turn it on for a week sometimes. If people want me, they text me or whatever. But, like... To me, it takes away from the trip a little bit with the customer. Well, there's, sometimes there's a, it adds to it, but there's sometimes that like there's a fine line you have right. to ride between. If you're on the radio the whole yeah, time, right. I see some people on there. I'm like, dude, there's no way you're fishing, talking <laughs> right. with your customers. And we, like, we've got you know, a lot of customers though. If you listen, yeah, to our, no, you they, listen no, to our no, stuff, no, there is some. There's a lot of customers that they like, dude, turn that radio up. We yeah, want to like be a part of this stuff. No, no, there, there is. But then there's also too. There's sometimes in the mornings like we'll text each other and say, look, I've got such and such like. 
I've know, got a lady on. I've board got a lady on board, or, or I've got kids on the board, and or on board, or something like yeah. that. And you know, I've got this no. There, one or there that definitely one, are so. some VHF conversations that could be recorded well, and put it on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you have to feel your customers out in the morning. Yeah. you know, that's one. You, you don't know. It is. It's as soon as they walk up, you have to judge who they are. You know where they're from. You know what you. You, you got to figure out their personalities I, in a matter of minutes. I, absolutely, especially you know fishing with Mexican Gulf. I mean, sometimes I get people on my boat that have fished every big name fishing destination that you can think of i mean talking africa australia all over the world and then they're on the boat and then the next day i got three old ladies that never been fishing <laughs> right, right. you know <laughs> so it's like that, well i can't do what i did yesterday you know right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a that's cool one of the cool things about being a charter captain but to bring it back to this last question that i was just uh talking about you know one of the things that I really like that customers do is whenever they, I don't know, I, I don't really like when customers get on my boat with dirty feet, you know? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. I hate that. That's actually talking a little while ago about how I know, and, and, and I never, but the thing is, I never judge the customer off of that because a lot of times they just they just don't know. You know what well, I mean? Well, the, the parking lot in Venice Marina can, can be uh, yeah, pretty bad. detrimental. But if, you, <laughs> if anybody out there wants to make my day, you're coming fishing with me, whenever you get to the dock, just, just spray your feet off. Yeah, right you real quick. Yeah. That's one of the things, dude, I was telling you a little while ago, about how Jody, our customers show up with expectations, or, or, or you know, without without too many surprises on their part, they know what to expect, and that's one of the things on the list when Jody books them and she goes over all that stuff with them and stuff like that, and even in the emails and stuff that she sends. That's one of the things on our list is to watch your feet. Don't, <laughs> don't get in your because the thing, you know, we, we run these custom yeah. aluminum boats that have that have twenty thousand dollar paint yeah. jobs. You know, you, you have to paint the aluminum. It's not like fiberglass, right? Where it's a gel, gel coat, coat and then you can buff it and it looks like brand new. Ours are painted and it's expensive paint, and. Uh, and that's the thing is when you get in our boats with all that that that, that limestone grit and everything in your shoes and everything, and you're grinding it into the paint all day. Now the paint is tough, right? But you know when you, it's, it only it's takes like so it's long. one of those pet peeves where it's all that grind, that mud, and all that stuff. Yeah, it drives us crazy for sure. <laughs> it's like it's, it's almost disrespectful because yeah. you know first of all these are hundred thousand dollar boats, and, yeah. and and then the second thing is is that you, you you spent an hour the night before cleaning that so it would look nice for them, and then they, as soon as they yeah, show up, they exactly. ruin it. They ruin it. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> you know, uh, also, you know, being a bigger guy myself, I like to eat. John bring, likes bring, it when the customer brings a yeah, sandwich. I was having a sandwich. Don't eat the sandwich in front of my face and don't even offer me anything. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, man, that's like something, too. We talk about Dude, this if you all wanna the make, time. if you want to make my day, man, bring seriously. some good food. Bring, bring food. Bring, yeah, I'm, I'm just one extra person. I know you're packing for you and all your compadres there. Like, Think about me, man. I'm going to be yeah, your it, friend. It, if you want to really, be my friend, yeah. It's really unbelievable because, like, years ago, like... People would bring so much stuff, so much food stuff, and they'd be like, "Man, y'all don't need all that." Nowadays, they bring they bring themselves stuff, and it's like they it's might like, bring one bottle of water. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> split it. You're not gonna make it today. Yeah, uh, yeah I've had to get off the boat. And be like, all it's right, I gotta go buy some water. I might die today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's like unbelievable how people have changed over the years. They, uh, they they do bring some stuff, and you have things in your ice chest also. Like you have your own personal water and stuff, and then they clean the entire ice chest out when they leave and leave you with nothing, and you don't realize they it. drink right. all of your stuff. <laughs> And then get their stuff out whenever, yeah. whenever they yeah, need. But bring a sandwich, though. I mean, that's right. yeah. if you want to make your captain happy, bring a little food. Yeah, bring some food. Some, that, yeah. It can change the Make food. a jam up sandwich, too. Don't, yeah, do it up good. You're going yeah. on vacation. You get Henry out there, you know, you're looking for fish. I've literally had several several times this year, I have had people, burn, like, let's say, four, I had this happen a couple days ago. It was four, I had four guys on the boat, and they brought five sandwiches. 
They each ate a sandwich, so they had one left over. And I'm like, I'm idling off, going like, I don't remember if we were going in or going to another spot, but they all ate a sandwich and they had one left over. And they go, huh, we have one sandwich left over. You, you guys want to split this one? <laughs> like, you ate a sandwich. You just ate a sandwich in my face. <laughs> And then uh, and you got one left over and you're not even going to offer me one. There's a lot of you know, we're, we're so worried about being prepared for the fishing day, getting the bait, you know, getting getting the ice. And get, we, we I just assume screw it. I don't really bring food anymore. I right. used to a lot, but honestly, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I think better whenever I'm not full. I, like, I don't know whenever you're I'm hungry. hungry. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of times <laughs> I don't eat. No, I really think that there's something to that because, like, you know, we evolved for millions of years as, as human beings, as animals, and, you know, it, it wasn't up until probably like 60 or 70 years ago you could wake up in the morning, go in the fridge, get the pantry, and start eating in the yeah. morning. I think I think we're supposed to be a little hungry throughout the day. Like, I don't typically eat breakfast all the time just because, like, I want that little extra, I don't know. I may disagree I with know, you, Paul. I like eating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I, don't, I, I do go hey, a I lot of times without eating. I do. I, I, I do. I go a lot of times without eating. I had this one time, this one day, and uh, this, this guy has actually become, like, one of my, one, like, he just, he won't even fish with John. Everybody loves John, loves to fish with John. This guy, I don't want to fish with John. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Damn old everybody. Oh, damn, oh, damn, yeah. damn, damn, the old man, damn. Yeah, yeah. Georgia guys. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, he, it, but he, the first time he ever fished with me, man, we fished hard all day long. And we had a big day. We had a limit of reds. We had uh, a limit of snapper. Uh, we caught about 25 or 30 trout. And uh, then on the way in, we came across the school of bull reds. And we caught uh, bull reds. And while they were hooked up on bull reds, I had a 24-pound uh, triple tail swim off the back of the motor while I was peeing. Damn. And I caught him, and uh, so we had ourselves a day. And I mean, but it was late because we all, I mean, you don't just catch all those fish and be done right, early. Right, I mean, it was, right. We were late in the day, and I was starving to death. And we get ready to come in, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, Here you go, Cap, here's your sandwich. And I was like, Wait a minute. You had a sandwich in this boat this whole time and didn't offer it for me? He said, Hey, man, like my hunting dogs, I got to keep you hungry so you're hunting. <laughs> 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 that's pretty funny. <laughs> no, that's that's pretty funny. Um, but uh, yeah, anything else for you know what custom? What's a good tip? People ask me that all the time. What do you tip at a restaurant? Twenty percent, right? That's what I say too. That's what I agree. I agree. Yeah, 15, 20%. 20%. And, 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 and a tip is a tip is based on effort. It's not be, It's not based on a lot of people base it on how many fish they catch, yeah. and uh, a lot of times. You know, there's there there are times whenever I, I catch a hundred trout, and I didn't do crap. I was right. I I, didn't, I don't even deserve a tip. You and know, if, yeah. I just fell into them and it just happened. My you biggest know? tips have come off my worst days. Though, yeah, the people. Yeah, someone, I think yeah, they understand. Appreciation yeah, aspect they, appreciate of it. they they saw how hard I worked that day. And I just I went through, did everything that I could to help them, and they understand that the level of care too. Right, yeah. and, I, and I think that's why those days are the ones you get your biggest tips. Yep. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. It should be based on effort and not not on not on what you put on the dock. I do. I and a lot of times, effort you know that they, they corresponds. Right. But there are some days when it's tough, but your effort should should be reflected. Right. Do you guys try to make any effort to try and attract the customer that you that you prefer, like? You know, as far as like, man, I think we, I think we attract a lot of customers we don't prefer. <laughs> well, we, yeah. we, we're like all the time. We're like, man, where do we get these people? It's a sword. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, you know, like as far as you know, there's lots of different types of fishing guides. You got fly fishing guides, right. you got live bait guides, you got lure guides, well, you got all that kind yeah, of different yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I, I think that. Yeah, yeah I mean, do you we feel like you got them. you got your trout guys. Like that's, that's we, your we, well, we, the thing about it is we we want people 
that, that want to catch the things that we catch, you know, and so we pump a lot of pictures of that stuff. And so we do tend to uh, we don't we don't tend to attract the the, the cute fly fishermen. And we stuff get pushed like into that. the meat haul category. Meat right. haul, you know, yeah. that's yeah, and which is good and bad. I mean, that's what we like. It's to a do. double edged sword. We want to be keeps us busy, know, but right. at the same time, the expectation, like we talked about, well, the vast majority of people, yeah, they want that, to show and, for their. Efforts. And that's why, and that's why, I mean, people see me. I've, I I don't post board shots, dock shots at all whatsoever. That's just not. I don't know. I don't. It makes me feel a certain way whenever I whenever I see that, and like that's not typically the person that I want. You know, I want somebody that's going to come and they'll be happy holding a big fish or you know right. a couple of nice fish or whatever that is. See, we, so we that's kind of why I don't post that because right. I try. I'm, well, I'm not saying that I don't want people to keep fish, but I want people to keep less and take care of it better yeah. if that makes sense well, i don't yeah. want to fill your freezer and whenever you come back with me next time you still have fish from the last time i want I you to go home i want people to go <laughs> home and eat the fish fresh and enjoy it like if i have is like a repeat very... clientele that i know caught a big box with me i asked them how much do you have left in your freezer right i want to know like i want to know are you eating these fish or not because if you're not eating them Dude, we're not going to go out there and kill another hundred. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's not going to happen. But nine times out of ten, they say they ate them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we really do you have a lot. you got to think, on a four-person trip, usually there's, you know, you're representing four different families there. Everybody's right. got their own, you know, wife and kids. And, you know, it's getting yeah. separated do, pretty equally. Do you guys clean y'all's own fish? I see y'all quite a We do sometimes. sometimes. It just kind of depends on the situation. If we've got, like, we, we do have a lot of local customers because of our fit, the way we fish. Um you know, so we do have a lot of local people that that are that are driving in and driving out, and if they're going to do that, uh, if they have to get on the road, we then we, clean. we clean their fish. Farm. See, I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I I whenever people they just like every day, and like you got your customers that are trying to leave that evening. I'm just like, hey, if I have customers that have to get on the road, I'm absolutely going to clean. Your fish and, and we have, and we and then we still have, we have customers that just ask us, would you mind if would you mind cleaning them for us? We just we trust you more. Yeah. You know, because we because we care. You know, yeah. we, a lot of people. I mean, that's why I clean. Did, that's man. why I clean all my fish. I mean, yeah. there's a couple good fish cleaners in there that are, that are pretty decent. Right. But like, you really you never you never really yeah. know who's grabbing your fish. And right. I don't know. I've had it, dude. It, it happened to me one time. I gave the fish there, and then the customer called me and said they didn't have this, and this was butchered, and this and yeah. that. And I was like, right, well, I'm never that. doing we, that. Again. We've had a few of because that that really it chaps well, my ass because like it, this fish is getting wasted right you know what i mean the thing about it is that it's a job to those to those people you know right Whereas it's to, not to their us, pa- it's a passion right this is what those, those are our fish yeah. those are, we 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 produced that and those are our customers and we have to look those people in the face these dudes are just making an hourly rate. And right. Not to say they do a right. bad job, but overall they do fine. You know? Overall, I say Venice Marina is very, very good. Absolutely. But like, whenever you're hiring people at an hourly wage, right. wage, right. they're not going to take as much care as they do. Right. Right. Exactly. Obviously. Absolutely. So we we do try to we try to do ours as much as we can, but like like this time of year, a lot of times it's just like oh, I've done enough. I've, I've cleaned <laughs> so tired. Many, I've cleaned so many fish. I mean. It's like I, I'm just I'm right. done. <laughs> well, I know you guys need to get bait. So real quick, is there anything else that customers do or don't do that you like something that absolutely don't like? Maybe because people find that kind of funny. I think it's funny. I mean, we always joke about the questions, you know. Yeah. But, but like, this comes from people wanting to know more. But, yeah. yeah. We, and, we joke about it. It doesn't we, really make we, us mad. We don't know where the helicopter's going. You know, yeah. like we. <laughs> <laughs> 
We don't know what's in, fishing. We don't know. We don't know what's inside those ships. We don't <laughs> know how many people are on that rig. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a, the, the pile of questions. You know, it's funny though. I said the, the Kevin is like, wait, go on a charter. Have you ever, have you guys ever gone on a charter like somewhere else? I no. have actually. I went. You never been Bahamas. on a charter somewhere else? I mean, I've, I've hunted with guides and stuff, but I've never fished. You should go. You should go on a fishing charter. Like I, I think it's pretty cool because it kind of like you see how it's not necessarily even the same target or anything, but their persona, like the right. way that they, you know, their morning yeah. speech, whatever yeah. it is, just kind of like that. And then you'll find yourself asking the same dumbass questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I went to Great Agusa and did a bone fishing trip down there, and uh, you know, really? I had to stop myself a few times. I'm like, eh, I probably don't need to ask that question. You're just sitting right, there, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got, I got one. That the one thing that really ticks us off, and I know John will agree with me on this, is disrespecting our rods and reels. Oh God, throwing them on the floor and stuff like that, and everything. Do not ever, 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 ever throw my rod on the floor. The floor floor is for feet. It's not for rods. It's not to be (laughs) drug around by the tip while the reel drags on the floor. It's not to be laid there so that you can drop a fish on it or your buddy can step on it. Leave the rods in holders or lean it up against something or whatever. Don't throw it on the floor and disrespect my stuff. If you are a musician, you don't, when you get done playing, you don't throw your guitar on the floor. If you're a doctor, when you get done operating on somebody, you don't throw their they don't throw their scalpels on the floor. Don't throw my tools on the floor. Right. All right. Yeah. Whatever you get. <laughs> I got it off your chest. I got it off my chest. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you're whenever you're on somebody's boat, man, treat it like you're on, you're at somebody else's house. And, the, and we don't want people to be uptight and exactly yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't yeah, want don't, people to be uptight and stuff like that. But exactly, don't don't. If you wouldn't walk into my living room, or if you don't want me to walk into your living room and throw a can in the, in the middle of your living room, or don't or, do it in my boat, or walk through your living room with muddy feet. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Don't I told you where boat. the trash can was this morning. Don't put it right. in my rod holder. Exactly. Ninety percent right. of our customers, they're great. They don't yeah. do that yeah. things. It's, by, it's, by that, it's that little small ten percent that yeah. just kind of. And that's the it. thing too is like us as guides is like everybody's like, oh man, you got this dream job, you know, and everything's great. That's one of my pet peeves too. Don't get right up <laughs> in my face at four o'clock in the morning and say, man, you're living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> No, nobody. I'm not. Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is. I mean, like it is a fun job and everything. But like, I don't care if you're, you know, the president of the United States or if you're a professional athlete doing what you do. Whenever you do it every day, there's going to be things that 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 stab at you and that you like and that you don't right. like. And right. It's an everyday. It's an everyday battle. So like. You know, as a customer, I feel like people should just, you know, respect things. Like, I had one, I was a deckhand one time, and I was on a very nice boat, and one of the customers drank a beer, and set it on the ground, and stomped it in the gel coat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You just set me off on one of the things that makes me the mad. I, I, told, I told this old man and Dude, I thought, I thought, he's like, listen, man, this boat right here costs more than your house does. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, dude, I had this. Dude, all right, this is the last story. We really got to cut it off and go. All right. But I had this old man on my boat one time, and he drove me nuts. We had monster boxes of fish every single day. And his son, or his, uh, not his son, his nephew, was fishing with another guide service up the road, and, and the dude was lying to him. He was texting him lies about what they were, like, completely unrealistic, like, telling him that they were catching 70 inch bull reds and stuff like it was stuff that was like not even believable and, and this old man's like he's like getting mad at me and I'm like dude look there is I can assure you 
who they're fishing with, they are not catching anything like what we're doing because they those guys won't fish the way we're what we're doing here. We were catching, we were going out in the sound and catching sheephead and right. uh, drum and, and and redfish, and I mean, and we were literally bringing in three hundred pound boxes. Right, and it was unbelievable. And I'm like, they're not doing that, okay? They're not doing that. They're, you're catching bigger fish. And he would show me pictures of this that the nephew was saying, "Oh, this is a seventy inch bull," and I'm like, dude, that that's a 30, 35 inch bull. <laughs> At best. All right. So anyway, so this old man gave me all kind of trouble to begin with anyway. And and so I, 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 all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm doing something and I start hearing this, this crushing sound. And I walk up front and he has crushed about three or four cans on the floor of my boat right in the front of my console. And I was like, dude, I said, did you just smash those cans on my floor? Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm looking, and I can see where he has gouged my paint and everything. And like, oh Because he was not only stomping them, he was stomping them and twisting them. Ugh. And there was marks all over the floor and the paint and everything where he had done that. And I said, dude, I said, I, I, I can't even believe that I'm even having to tell you this. I said, don't ever do that again in my boat. I'm like, I, I was like, it was everything I could stand to not like just completely lose, lose my it. mind. <laughs> he looks me square into my soul and he says, well, by God, son, this ain't nothing but a damn old aluminum boat. I mean, what the hell are you so mad about? Oh, God. And I lost, I almost grabbed, I literally almost grabbed him by the throat. That's how mad he made me. He's sitting, I'm talking. You went in. I'm talking right, fire. Like, my, my head, like, I felt like my head was going to catch on fire when he told me that. And that's when I said, I said, this, this, this old aluminum boat costs more than your house. And I said, no, I don't care if it costs $50. It's mine, and you're not going to disrespect it like nothing that. nothing to do with the money. Right? Yeah. That, that boy, that, that, that set me off that. I still, that's been a long time ago. And that's still, I still tell John that story. We'll talk about that on the VHL in the morning sometimes. sometimes. And it still makes me mad <laughs> when I think about that. Oh, All right, we got to we got to roll. Thanks for yeah, doing Hey, I really appreciate it, man. man. It was a great conversation. I'm glad I got to know both of you guys a Absolutely. lot more. Uh, real quick, is there any sponsors you guys want to give a shout out to or anything like that? Four Horseman Tackle, baby. Horseman. Oh, with <laughs> the two, Aaron Pierce, man, yeah. he's a great guy. He just hooked yeah. me up with some. Yeah. He's been American Aluminum awesome. Marine. Yeah. Got love Alex Gravois, what he does for us. Yeah, um, he builds our boats for us. Um, uh, I've, I've switched to Mercury. Uh, Mercury takes care of me on my, my, my power now. Oh, and if you're on your way down to fish in Venice, make sure you stop at B&B Tackle. Yeah, you get a lot, of, a lot of our of supplies you. at B&B Tackle. Uh, you get four horsemen stuff there. Uh, Halo Rods. Uh, he's got Halo Rods there. We, that's what the rods we use. Um, on your way down, stop at LA 23 Barbecue. If you've been down here, that's not not really one of our sponsors, but he's a good friend of ours, and and, and he's got some amazing right. barbecue cool. down there at that's LA cool. 23 Barbecue. Nice. Um, I always always like to give uh, give them a. Uh, and then go ahead and tell people where they can find you and realshotfishing.com realshotfishing.com or E E L realshot. And how many how many captains do you guys have? Uh, it, John and I are the two are our two full time primary captains, and then we've got we've got about uh, ten guys. We about ten guys that we rotate. You know, we we kind of got a list of, of guys that we we've work with. Chris Lebeer, Jack Marino, yeah. yeah, bunch of those yeah, guys. Same Jamie, thing. Jamie I, Taylor, Deer. Is that a couple of the same guys on my list as yeah. well? <laughs> you got I know you know Butchie, Triple Tail Man. Yeah. He, he works with Somebody us a little bit here and there. Tail, we, we send him to Butchie. Yeah, I hear you. That's all right. <laughs> we don't we don't. He's our he's our Triple Tail specialist. We don't we don't want. We don't want, we, to, don't want we, don't, we don't want to cover all this. One, one arm pull ups and triple tails. Yeah, one arm pull ups and triple tails. <laughs> <laughs> He's a character. I know you know what you will. So. Oh yeah. Um, 
But yeah, guys, I really appreciate it, and uh, y'all keep catching them. Oh, and we do. We uh, Brent Roy works for us a whole lot. Too. He's, <laughs> he's he, gonna he, get you know, shout out to Brent Roy. <laughs> yeah, Brent Roy. Brent Roy. He, he, we uh, we hire we hire Brent Roy a lot on our on our trips. Plus, Brent Roy and uh, John are best friends. Brent so. Roy is my best friend. I love him. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, cool. All right, guys, we're wrapping it up. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water.